to the regular exclusive podcast with Jason Renee. As always, hope uh, you had some good turkey because we're here to talk about movies. And we got two big ones to talk about. We are reliving a day that will maybe, who knows, live in infamy. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. It's finally arrived on streaming. It was here a while ago, like in theaters, but we're we're the streaming people. So now yeah. we get to finally celebrate. I'm excited. Come on, Oppenheimer. You like just came to streaming for purchase. You can't even rent it. You just have to buy it. It's like Barbie has been available for months. It's September. Like, yeah, I feel like even maybe, yeah, at least September it was. It was uh, available to purchase, and I mean, I did right away, but I also went to the theaters to see it, so. <laughs> I think I think Barbie was the first movie that the wife went to go see since all the lockdowns happened. Oh, wow. Like, I've gone to the theater on my own. This was the first one that drew her out, and she had a grand old time with it. It drew everybody out. Everyone went to see Barbie. There was so much pink every time I went to the theater for, like, months. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Oppenheimer um, at the... Wearing I all pink? <laughs> I wish I was that bold. <laughs> I saw Oppenheimer at the IMAX, and it was so funny because I want to say 50% of the crowd was wearing Barbie, like barbie uh merchandise but with oppenheimer slogans like that now i, I am it. now i am death <laughs> like yeah Year of worlds or whatever it's like i saw that but in the barbie text like <laughs> <laughs> i do love that i love i mean i just love the fact that like i wonder if the two studios collaborated on this whole thing because it feels like a great marketing ploy and it oh, yeah. worked really well obviously because there's a total history of studios playing nice with each other right I don't know. I don't do the research, Chase. That's you. I'm just saying that, like, uh, you know what? I guess, actually, if we're thinking about it, it was probably Universal's idea to go, let's open the same day as Barbie. That might get people in the seats. Let's make it a fun thing. That was probably their shit. I bet Warner Brothers wasn't like, yeah, come here. Share the fucking spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And then you have Mission Impossible just being like, fuck you guys. Yeah, that is. But I kind of love it just because I still haven't forgiven Tom Cruise for the mummy. So I love it when he gets angry. So Barbenheimer is maybe it's got to be one of the the best. I'm not even give the studios credits. I think this is a total fan generated organic marketing thing of people creating Barbenheimer. But it's one of the most successful guerrilla just organic campaigns ever because both of these movies just made out like they brought in mm -hmm. the bank and i don't think anyone ever expected this to to work like this i i think the studios were like pick one and they're like then the people are just like fuck you we'll do both yeah <laughs> i mean that that, that could have been it I, I you know i don't want to give credit to anybody but i think that the studios are just evil so somebody's coming up with these evil fucking concepts to make money i bet you they've got like 30 people in a room thinking about shit like this and it worked for i mean imagine oppenheimer without all this i know christopher nolan's got a really solid fan base but personally i think like this was a if this wasn't a move by them i mean they had just great luck because I I feel like it was just when they announced it, it was like a thing immediately oh, within hours. It's a hundred percent luck because it had nothing to do with them. I think this was an internet moment where mm -hmm. the internet just brought these two things that have 
nothing in common. These are totally different movies. That's why it works so well is that they're opening it on the same day. You're like, what kind of person goes to see both of those? You know? <laughs> so I did a little bit of research and I'm going to throw at you five other movies in the past that came out on the same day. I don't know if any of these movies actually did any sort of marketing like this, but I'm, you know, I think it's an interesting thing. So back in 1999, did you know that the matrix and 10 things I hate about you came out on the same day? No, but I, I would call that. I hate the matrix. That would I would be... just say 10 things I hate about the matrix. That's what would be mine. <laughs> That's the perfect actually. Why is that a thing? The internet uh, was really a big thing back then though. Yeah. So. Was, wasn't much internet back then yeah. on MySpace, but uh, yeah. <laughs> then uh, in 84, Ghostbusters and the Gremlins came out on the same day. That and sounds they... like a sequel. Ghostbusters <laughs> and, they... and the Gremlins. That sounds like the third movie in the series. <laughs> I called it I called it the Ghostland Busters, which is probably not a no. good one. We could probably think of others. Ghostbusters but, you know... and the Gremlins was great. You had it in your first try like that. <laughs> no, you got to merge them together. Oh, but... I mean, they did pretty comparable in terms of box office. So uh, then the other one is 2003. This is same day, same season type of movie. Elf in Love Actually. Hmm. And this this marketing could be problematic because I was thinking Elf Love. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's uh, elf Actually is what <laughs> would be the right title. <laughs> Then in uh, 95, Jumanji and Heat, Al Pacino and, uh, and um, God, who's the other mafia guy? Wow. Uh, uh, this is, please edit this out. Uh, <laughs> I'm not just, going to now. Robert no. De Niro. That's there it. There you go. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> oh, Jeez. thanks for helping me. Well, that was painful. I wanted you to like enjoy it. <laughs> uh, they also did similar type of box office on the same day. And then mm -hmm. the last one I had, uh, this is merely for our nostalgia, 1982, The Thing and Blade Runner. Thing Runner is what mm -hmm. I was thinking. Same day. Oh, yeah. Same day. And they both pretty much bombed at the box office and then became cult classics. Yeah, so... it's a weird thing. You know what? I'm surprised you didn't hit upon. This has happened to Christopher Nolan a few times with his movies. And I want to say it was like The Dark Knight came out the same day as Mamma Mia, like with Meryl Streep and Amanda <laughs> Seyfried and shit. And I was just like, that's just about as good as Barbenheimer. I mean, Barbenheimer just feels like perfect because they could not be more opposite. But I would say that's a close second, you know? Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, I think the biggest thing about Barbenheimer that works is that each movie is one word. And they're about one person. Basically, I mean, they're not really, but like they each focus on one main character who's in all the promo stuff. So it also made sense. It was like perfect to have Barbie and Oppenheimer together and all the <laughs> like mashup images. It's great. But yeah, I mean, they both they both were about a hundred million dollar budget. Uh, Barbie, the I think it's now the most the biggest box office movie of the year. Did it pass Mario? Fuck if I know. That's your job. <laughs> okay, touche. Uh, it's at one point four billion, and Oppenheimer. Uh, I feel real bad for Oppenheimer. It got to nine nine hundred and fifty million. I really wanted it to pass the billion mark because I I feel like there's only one rated R movie, and it's Joker. 
Joker is a good movie, but I feel like Oppenheimer is as good of a movie. And I, I, I feel like if you yeah. get that close, just put it right there. You know, I don't care. Joker <laughs> is fine with with being number one. I don't care. And also, I'm sure that Christopher Nolan has plenty of fucking money. He doesn't need anymore. <laughs> but I mean, this is easily the most successful of these same day movie things. Now, hey, I they wonder saved the movies this year, don't you think? Top Gun saved it last year, apparently. Um, yeah, which well, I don't, know. I don't know. In I don't know if I agree with with that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, saved the movies this year. Even though, why didn't they say Mario saved the movies? Is because it was just one movie. They don't want to celebrate a Nintendo <laughs> animated movie. We're getting like a hundred more. Although that's exactly what's happening with Barbie. So I don't know. Oof, we'll get into that. I'm sure. Yes. But I mean. I think the only similarity in my mind that I can see is that they're the budgets were similar around a hundred million. I don't know. Do, do you have any similarities for these movies? I actually really wanted to think of a couple for this and I came up with two shockingly. They were okay. actually pretty good. Okay. I didn't have that one though. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> well, besides the fact that both movies feature male characters who are both described and have actions that could be described as the destroyer of worlds <laughs> can also destroy his Barbie world. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. He took a patriarchy and like did a patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. He yeah, exactly. So I would say besides that fact, which is still pretty good that they both have destroyer of world men characters. Yeah. Uh, they both lean into the practical effects. That's the biggest like similarity, I think, between both of these. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I guess there is some practical effect. There's quite a bit of practical effects in Barbie. Like when it's they all practical sets. When they switch between the real world and Barbie, like they have those really obvious, like cut up, cut out yeah. things. Like that's pretty good. All the backgrounds in Barbie is all like actual backgrounds that they made, and so it was like a physical set. Like you were like the Barbie Land is real. Like you could go there. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. so fucking cool. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, you're welcome. I, I thought of one more to add to this list. Mm. Both of these movies have giant casts of recognizable yeah. faces. I'll give you that. Like Oppenheimer just keeps fucking smacking you in the face with it yeah. throughout the entire fucking movie. I was like, what the fuck? This person's in it? <laughs> like, yeah, they come halfway through? What the hell? <laughs> Oppenheimer is just like the Nolan twist of Oppenheimer is that every 20 minutes, you're like, I recognize that guy. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says yes to Christopher Nolan, basically. <laughs> and Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into the cast of both these movies, but yeah. What a what an interesting little period of time of 2023. This movie where we can just say both these movies essentially did a billion dollars in the same day, which sure we can give it to Christopher Nolan we, if you really want to. We can combine the two and average, and they both essentially did a, okay. a billion dollars. <laughs> I'll let it slide. Let's let's get into Barbie though. Yeah. Hey Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever, and so is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Yeah. You guys ever think about dying? All right. Let's talk about Barbie, the movie of 
our generation, maybe last generation. I don't know. Barbie has spanned a lot of years. I personally just think it's the movie of all time. I think it will <laughs> be remembered in the Hall of Fame. And if it isn't, shame on whoever's deciding what goes in there. Because I think this is just like, from what it's everything I'd want a Barbie movie to be, but better than I could have ever dreamed it. You know, like Barbie's dream I... house. This is thousands of times better than I ever would have thought, like in my little like perfect world of what it could be. It was just so much smarter than it needed to be. It's the wonderfulness of like skilled and talented filmmakers and writers on a project that seems like it's just a fucking and I'm sure that that's all it was initially, like a corporate ploy for money. But like, I love that, like you get some good people behind it. And it's an incredible movie when it doesn't need to be. I 100% agree with you. This movie is so much better than it ever should have been. Because there's just not really a good like track record of, oh, this existing IP is a toy. So let's adapt that into a movie. And Barbie, of all things, like, I don't know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is Transformers. And... All Transformers Ugh. needs to be is just a good movie of things transforming into something else. The rest of the movie is pretty, you know, side plot. But, like, as long as you get the transforming yeah. right, which Michael Bay did, other than, like, weirdly being kind of a pedophile and, like, sexualizing a 17-year-old or whatever. Yeah, no big deal, but... obviously. <laughs> Fucker. But, like, Barbie, what Greta Gerwig did with this story is unbelievable. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's like, like, I mean, we, we talked about the Mario movie and we both were like, I really enjoyed the, the Mario movie. Like it was yeah. so much fun and it was great. It was better than we thought it would be. But I will say like, what was the Mario movie trying to say? Maybe just like that. It's okay to be yourself. I don't know. Or that you have the star power within you. Sure. I do feel that like, <laughs> that's like kind of the bare minimum of like what I could guess off of like Mario. There's not, that's, that's not what they're worried about. Right. However, it was a great movie. Barbie is like literally like, I imagine that like what Oppenheimer is either to like Christopher Nolan fans or like physicists or scientists, like that must be like what Barbie is to women. Cause I feel like Barbie is like what it is to be a woman, which is the last thing that you would expect from a Barbie movie. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw the movie with Tyra Banks as like a real life Barbie life size. No. Oh, it was a great movie. And it was also really good and a, kind of about being a woman, but it was just like, that was like the only thing I had to compare to this. So it was just like totally crazy that like this movie had something to say. The last movie you'd expect or that would need to have something to say is like the most true film about being a woman that I've ever seen. It's incredible. So do we want to get the uh, the politics conversation out of the way here at the beginning or uh, or? Yeah, sure. I mean, if like I, I guess that like that is the thing. I'm glad you did the research because, again, I don't care about that. So I don't really look it up. So tell me, what do those fuckers have to say about this movie being political? So maybe politics isn't the right word, but. I I assumed politics just because that's usually the word anyone goes to whenever something is being labeled as something. It's so uh, this person's politics. I watched this movie, watched several uh, other people's reviews and thoughts of it. And I, the immediate thought that I had is I 
couldn't think of another movie, at least in recent time, that more people brought their own politics into. And the reason I say that is like this movie has a lot of stuff to say to say, as you were saying. And it's funny. The politics that people kind of draw from this are kind of all over the place. Like, here's some uh, video titles for people's uh, commentaries. Uh, I mean, I'm you, worried about what you're about to say. <laughs> OK, go for it. I'm going to kill you, myself. But you, you had it. the famous uh, Ben Shapiro 40 minute long rant of him saying this is anti everything. It's super woke. But then you also had like. A video I saw. This is just me googling Barbie commentary on YouTube. There's a uh, one that's this Barbie is a bad feminist, which I'm not really sure what that means. But um, there's another one: the anti woke, plastic feminism. Barbie is everything wrong with Hollywood. And I'm like, this is all over the place. Is this a a woke thing or an anti woke thing? Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a really good movie about. That's the thing is that like that's just like the culture though because I feel that like Barbie is really like it has something to say but it's like the most inoffensive way to go about it and like people are literally responding in the exact same way. They're like like my favorite scene, probably every woman's favorite scene in this movie is America Ferreira's like yes. monologue about what it's like to be a woman. I was just like, yes, thank you. I mean, you can't relate to every single thing. I'm not a mother, but like it fucking hits. It slaps. It's so true. But it's like that shouldn't offend people. She's just speaking to something that like we all feel, not all of us, but like women. Yeah. That should be okay. Who cares that we're just acknowledging the fact that like when that Barbie's like, I can be emotional and logical and it doesn't make me weaker. It makes <laughs> yeah. me more powerful. And it's like, thank you. Like, that's just like, it's not like hate men at the end. The, I mean, the whole thing about the movie is that the Kens are like oppressed in the beginning, mm -hmm. hilariously so, but they still are oppressed. And then they oppress the Barbies and then they work out a system where it's like everybody's equal and like everyone can be okay. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like any political agenda. And if it is, it's just that, Hey, we should all get along. And they're like, fuck you, bitch. Why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's not even like Greta Gerwig just wrote this movie. She wrote it with her husband, Noah Baumbach, who's an incredible filmmaker as well. Yeah. And I just really love that, like, there was both of them making this project. There's some parts that just hit so true to, like, being a woman. And I'm sure that there's parts that hit true to being a man through Ken. Yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> so here... Here, actually, now that you're you're talking, it's making me think. I think politics is the right word because politics is. Uh, politics is you have a side that needs to be supported. So if you look at this entire movie through one lens, mm -hmm. then you're going to find, just like anything, you're going to find the things that support you, and then you're going to ignore everything else. Yeah. I thought this movie was unbelievably balanced mm -hmm. in, in the position that it was taking. Yeah, both not not even just like men and women is just like this is not a political thing. This is a societal thing of like. It's not men versus women, which no. it feels like it is a lot of the it's time. Wait, they always just make it that way, don't you think? Yeah. And like the movie starts with them being in a matriarchy where the women control everything. Mm hmm. 
And and it seems wonderful just because it's the opposite of how things are here that it seems so amazing. But then you're like, well, that's actually not great because then the Kens, it's like, oh, I don't even know where the Kens sleep, you know, like where which, do they sleep? We don't know. <laughs> which a lot of yeah, where do Kens sleep? I don't know. That, yeah, was, such, I don't know, actually. that was such a great line. Because it's which, like, yeah, they were treated wrong, like not as bad as they treated the Barbies, but the like they were just totally ignored and not even worried about. So it's like. Well, they and need also, to find a balance. That's what well, the whole movie's about. <laughs> well, and also these Barbies were never treated badly because exactly. they were always established. Yeah. And so it's kind of the flip of the real world. That's like, what I'm know, saying. That's why it's perfect. Which is so interesting. And also like the, we don't know where Ken sleep. All these weird like red pillars that are just insecure about women not liking them. You should feel seen by that. Like, Thank you, know, you. you know, right. Here, here's a look. Here's a commentary on like, we should treat everyone with respect and <laughs> like i mean uh, it's just too much this actually okay this is a great moment to fit it in because i said a piece of trivia that i could not wait to tell you because it fits with why ryan gosling agreed to do this movie the only trivia things i'm going to note are about ryan gosling i I'm love okay everybody that. else but like he's just my favorite um but apparently yeah i'll beat you off right now according to ryan gosling he accepted the role of ken after seeing his daughter's Ken doll lying face down in the mud next to a squished lemon. And he took a picture of the doll and the lemon and he sent it to Greta Gerwig saying, I shall be your Ken. His story must be told. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, that's why he's the perfect Ken. <laughs> that's why that's why Ryan Gosling is is an Oscar level actor being this weirdo. <laughs> Yeah. accessory well he said movie. he said he had to go back to like you know he started out in the mickey mouse club with yeah. like i mean just so the opposite of him now yeah. but like he's like i had to go back to that person that person inside me and like come to terms and you know make amends and and use it <laughs> and he's like yeah. i'm so glad it worked out he really so, nailed it <laughs> so while we're in the conversation ryan gosling I hope he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he, he was, might win, personally. He was unbelievable in this. Like, I, Barbie might be the funniest movie I've seen all year. Oh, it's and, hilarious. Like, and I don't even, and I can't decide, is it because of the things Ryan Gosling says or the faces he makes? It's all of it. it. Like, when they're Little at the- things. Like when they're at the when they're at the dance party in the very beginning of the movie, and he's just like vibing. He's like, <laughs> like, it's like every the time, funniest, the funniest <laughs> shit. I've ever that's seen. why, like, if you go online, I'm sure that like I that's where I've seen them just everywhere on social of like all these bloopers with him and Margot Robbie because oh, yeah. it was so hard for her to do it because he improved a lot of stuff. And like one of the best things that I heard was that. Simu Simu Liu, I think yeah. I'm saying that right. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did like he was like, oh, I can do a backflip, and like did a demonstration <laughs> during dance rehearsals. And Ryan Gosling's like real life reaction to him is what inspired Greta Gerwig to make them like rivals in the movie. And... <laughs> yeah, and I was like, it's so good because it's like he has that reaction in the movie too when he does that. Even if he's not the main focus, he's just fucking incredible. And I think we all just like, I know this is Barbie's movie and I don't want to downplay. Margot Robbie is incredible as Barbie. She's so good. And she's hilarious too. But like Ryan Gosling is just like, 
He's like, that's what I'm saying. It'll be him and Robert Downey Jr. In my opinion, for best supporting actor at the Oscars. Oh yeah. I, I just, I laugh so hard when they're in the car together, when the first time she's leaving Barbie land, (laughs) she's like, Ken is not cool. And then he just whispers, he is to me. (laughs) (laughs) He is to me. It's just like, so incredible with every, I mean, everything he fucking says is just always incredible. But like, I also love that all the Kens don't have different Ken names. They all just call each other Ken. Yeah. Like the most confusing thing ever. And that's what I just, I really enjoy all of the other Kens, but I think, I think it's, uh, is it Kingsley Ben Adair? Is he the one who plays? Uh, he plays one of the Kens, and he's like the funniest one. Oh, yeah, Outside yeah, yeah. Playing. Is is he the one who who's I have a hat? Yeah, yeah. And he's like when he's like watching her when she's got the flat feet, and he's like got the binoculars. Yeah. Like, get out of here, Ken. He's so <laughs> funny. But I think is this the, is this the, I mean, we'll talk more. Well, you probably have a structure for this episode. I'm just off to the races because I love uh, it. I mean, this movie we can really go however we want, but I here we can wrap up the Ryan Gosling yeah. part because he's wonderful. And I've been I feel like I've been saying for a while now, all I want at this year's Oscars is for I'm just Ken and Peaches to be nominated so that they're both performed at the yeah. Oscars. And re-watching Barbie, I'm like the whole dance off between him Incredible. and and Simulu, like they have to reenact that at the it's so good. It would be incredible. It would be okay. so perfect. So but... can I give you a piece of trivia about the song? Because I was waiting for you to do mention it, it, do it, do so it. that I could tell you. <laughs> okay, so Mark Ronson is the composer. He worked with like on the Stars Born soundtrack, and he's also like um, I think he worked with Bruno Mars for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, he wrote the song I'm just Ken as a joke and recorded a demo for Greta Gerwig, like totally not seriously expecting it to be in the movie. (laughs) But she liked it and she shared it with Ryan Gosling. And he like felt so strong about it that like she needed to add it to the movie because it he's like it literally like was it added so much to the character of Ken. Yeah. And he said that he was like he desperately advocated for it to be made a musical number and the whole thing. (laughs) And that he was like, uh, like, like Mark Ronson said, he was amazed how much like Ryan Gosling's interpretation of the song improved it from yeah. like just a joke thing that he just did. That's and I was like, great. that's incredible that like it was an accidental song. That's the kind of trivia that you hear about songs that win best original song at the Oscars. That's, <laughs> that's the stuff. That's the good stuff. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but think when I was listening to I'm Just Ken, I'm like, this sounds like a Jason Siegel song. Like oh when... my god, yeah, like his Dracula musical <laughs> yeah, song. Like... Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like, I could kidding. totally imagine Jason Siegel singing this. It's so good. And then the fact that they all do the dance, it's yeah. just amazing. I literally was like, this is a song I listen to all the time. I fucking love it. It's so good. <laughs> oh, oh, but Brian Gosling cannot be, I cannot say how much I love. Robert Downey Jr., but like, I I don't know if Ryan Gosling's gonna win it, but I would vote for him. I mean, I think it'll come down to those two for sure, though. I love Robert Downey Jr., but I I think Ryan Gosling is just incredible in this because unbelievable. He, he is he's having to like essentially like portray an entire 
group of like a, a group of, of men essentially in this world that's run by women he has to essentially be this very believable accessory to barbie he's not mm -hmm. a person to barbie no. he's an accessory he doesn't matter yeah yeah like and and the entire opening like beach scene you know like where they're they're beaching <laughs> he's talking about how his job is like it's it's not lifeguard you know that's a common misconception it is just beach. <laughs> like and it's like but you do beach so well and like apparently margot robbie like would gift him different things every day that were in like little pink boxes and they all were beach related items to get help him get into character and i just thought i mean like he even needed help i feel like yeah like, i love that like that's really cute but it's like that whole sequence <laughs> the whole thing so that we're supposed to believe leading up to it is that ken's purpose in barbie land is to impress barbie he and, only has a good day if Barbie looks at him. And Bar Barbie has a good day every day. Every day is the best day ever. Every day is 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 girl party or yeah. girl girls sleep night. Sleep, yeah, girls night. That's Come it. on, Chase. It sounds like you've never been to a girls night. I'm just kidding. I've only Obviously. been to a couple, and um, <laughs> Ooh, I I ruined popular. It. Yeah, I ruined is the long story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got kicked out immediately. <laughs> oh, really? When did they figure it out? <laughs> but like. Ryan Gosling has to portray this character that's not only believable, but is relatable. And also you can sympathize with him, mm -hmm. oh, but, not, 100%. But, but without him being the villain. And no, he, because he learns he it from it. our own society. <laughs> he learns the patriarchy from going to the real world. And I just love that because it's like, like the way I think that it's just like the way that they describe things in this movie just is so easy to like understand but it's like like she describes anxiety and she's like i don't know what this is it's like fear but not of one specific thing and then the other woman's like it's called anxiety i have it all the time and it's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah okay and then he's like oh yeah i don't feel i feel like people are looking at me like admiring i feel great it's like ooh, like it's yeah. just so perfect that it's the opposite of barbie land and that like they think that everything's been solved for women, but it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. But like the fact that like, yeah, Ken, they lay out that he's an accessory and all he cares about is impressing Barbie and Barbie is not really interested in him because as the toy it displays, Barbie's the main thing. The toy, Ken is just whatever. And so then it's not that surprising that when they go to the real world, like he gets kind of sucked into, oh my God, men are the main character here. This is, I mean, yeah, this is great. He doesn't have all the backstory or all the ill will that's tied to the patriarchy. Yeah. So like, it's this really naive thing. And then he's just like, yeah, you know, I went to the real world and like society is just run by men. And for a short period of time, I thought it was horses. <laughs> yeah, he's like, but then I realized it's men on horses because horses are men extenders. Yeah, men, horses are men extenders. <laughs> and you're like, I mean, it's literally why probably men. Like, it's like all the images that you see and all the dudes. It's like, it's, I love that it's like literally like it with that whole montage. It just becomes like the background chant of men, men. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. It's it's so almost cute watching him like absorb it all, but you're like, I mean, I get why he gets the wrong impression, and he's also an oppressed people. So yeah, he's like going somewhere where he's celebrated, and he's like, "This is amazing." Which <laughs> a woman the... asked me this time. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the,
for real? <laughs> so good. It's Which, just it's crazy how it was fucking like smart it, this is. It was like watching this movie and like seeing all this stuff and then like seeing people like, oh, this is an anti-male thing. I'm like, do you guys not watch the movie? Like there's very clear plot things that are happening that it's like, yeah, the men are essentially representing the women of today and then experiencing respect and all this stuff for the first time. And he thinks the whole thing is run by horses. <laughs> then he even says at the end, he's like, yeah. I th- I got disinterested because I thought horses were behind all this. Yeah, he's like, once I learned there was no horses, I was like, oh, I'm not about the patriarchy. <laughs> it's but, just so pure and it's so adorable because it's like such great commentary, but like only crazy people will take it as offensive. It's like, just fucking relax. Women have rights too and it's okay for us to talk about it. That's really yeah. all it is. I did want to note a fun piece of trivia about the Barbies and the Kens, but Hit like me. They're all named Barbie and Ken, except for two, I think. There's obviously, there's, well, there's weird Barbie, but we'll talk about her. But uh, Midge, Midge. <laughs> Barbie, which is played by Emerald Fennell. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a writer-director. She did Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. I do like she's that incredible. movie. The new movie, Saltburn, uh, she did that Oh, I've one. been meaning to watch that. She's great. Um, But she, her and, so Alan is the only other one. Alan. Michael Sarah. Apparently, Alan and Midge got married like after like at some point after the dolls were released because people were really offended that Midge was like pregnant, like by herself. So they made Alan and her get married and then they had kids. Really? Yeah, I looked that up. I was on the trivia. So before they got discontinued? Yeah, I guess so. The thing that I saw is that Alan was kind of maybe the gay best friend of Ken, and that's why he's so obsessed with him. <laughs> but like, he's Ken's best friend. That's his whole thing. When he does that, he wears punch, his he's like, when he's like, "All his clothes fit me." That was his tagline. Yeah. It was like, "I'm like, you can buy Alan, and all of Ken's clothes fit him." So like, you already, <laughs> you just have another doll, and he can wear all the same stuff you already have. I love, I love <laughs> that I love that he does it while throwing a punch. It's a great little thing. I love how Alan and Midge, they're just like, there's only one of them. Yeah, there's only one. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, one, I didn't even know Michael Sarah. Like, I think I heard he was going to be in the movie. And then when I saw his like character poster as Alan, I'm like, who the fuck is Alan? <laughs> like, Because the last person I would expect to hear is cast in the Barbie movie is probably Michael Sarah. And he crushes it. <laughs> Maybe Alan... Danny DeVito too, but like oh, I don't know. Danny DeVito. <laughs> he would be pretty unlike. I go, what are they doing? Like the troll dolls? <laughs> <laughs> Danny no, DeVito but... would have been perfect as as the Ken equivalent of Alan. Or yeah. no, Alan is is part of Ken. So I yeah, guess. Yeah, but he's more like the Barbies. He hangs out with the Barbies the whole time. <laughs> like Danny DeVito would have been perfect as the Ken equivalent of Kate McKinnon's Barbie. Weird Barbie. Yeah. Ken. Yeah. Melted troll doll Ken. (laughs) Yep. That would be perfect. Oh, that. Oh, that. That'd be. That'd be so good. That's the. Okay. I didn't call us Mattel. (laughs) I didn't think there was a way to make this movie better, but that is the way you make it better. Is David DeVito is in there with Kate McKinnon. They'll get him for the sequel. This is a great (laughs) idea. I'm sure they've already made the call. If they're smart, they've already made the call. (laughs) Yeah. So Alan is wonderful and he's everything good. he says is hilarious it's i feel like we say this a lot about michael sarah he's so good in pretty much everything he's in I like now that i think about him, like 
I don't know if I can think of anything with Michael Sarah that I'm like, I hate. I'm sure there's something, but just, no. nothing comes to mind. He's incredible all but the time. I loved Michael Sarah. I loved Kate McKinnon. I thought <sighs> Kate McKinnon was so perfect in this. A weird Barbie. <laughs> like, She's incredible. Weird Barbie. And they even have that one moment where like uh after barbie like goes limp after the oh yeah the, when she's having patri- a mental breakdown yeah the patriarchy takeover <laughs> yeah. and then she like pops up and then she has like the horror the horror movie like flash yeah it's like, oh. and then like barbie's like scared she's like i'm sorry i have that like effect on people <laughs> i know i'm scary <laughs> but i thought even that was such a a brilliant idea of like uh what did they call her like worn out barbie or like weird weird barbie weird 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 barbie yeah because like worn yeah. out barbie what i don't even fucked a bunch i'm I just said weird barbie sorry weird barbie okay sorry i didn't <laughs> worn play, out barbie i didn't play She's with barbie so times. i'm just trying to remember there was no worn out barbie jace come okay. on weird barbie i was like that's brilliant because whether it's the girls are going through their emo phase and cutting hair and stuff, or their brothers are taking the Barbie yeah. and cutting the hair. You have this weird Barbie. I yeah. crushed it. Like She's always doing the splits weirdly. <laughs> I laughed whenever she did the splits. Like first time you see her, she's in the split. When she hides, she does the splits. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so good. And all the little like discontinued Barbies, like it was just hilarious that oh. they're all just like so there's so many different kinds of Barbies, and I love all of them. And it's also just like the perfect plot line for a movie where like the Barbies think that feminism is great because in the real world they've solved all the problems because barbie can be anything so women can be anything but really it's like women here look at barbie it's like that's why we have problems that's why we aren't taken seriously so i like that this movie like plays with that idea but then also overcomes it by saying like barbie is more than that and can be more than that however it's still like like when we talked about air i was like do we need a product like a movie about a product and like this is very much a movie about a product but, but I feel they like did it right. They did it right. They actually made it about a lot more. And it's like, so I say it's like about being a woman, which is fine. That can exist. There's plenty of fucking movies about being a man. He, I'm only no men who <laughs> love that movie. I'm just saying there's plenty of those out there. Fast and the Furious, there's like 10 of them. Yeah. You can have your fucking pick. Let us have one. <laughs> yeah. And why are all these men watching Barbie? That's my real question. Why do they all go see it if they like supposedly hate women? I'm just saying, maybe don't yeah. go see Barbie. <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel like even if you don't think Barbie is amazing, I don't feel like you have an a I feel like Barbie is a good enough movie that you walk out of it and you're just like, meh, it wasn't for me. You don't walk out with a strong enough opinion that you're like, I need to post my thoughts on why this movie sucks. That's why I say people are walking in with their own politics. They're yeah. like, I'm going in to look for all the wrong things that I don't agree with yeah. to talk about, to do a 40 minute stupid shit about exactly. why this movie sucks. I mean, I'll get into my rants about James Cameron, but I don't <laughs> care. I'm not doing that before I go. I mean, I am doing that, I guess, before I see Avatar 2, <laughs> but I saw the first one. So that's different. I haven't made up my mind, but either way. I'm just I watched, saying, I think I, Barbie people are just, you know, what my dad always used to say is you do to say 
got to be a real sour person. And I just would always agree. Yeah, you got to be a sour person if you're fucking going into Barbie with some agenda and yeah. going to get mad about everything. Like, just fucking relax, man. This has nothing to do with you. <laughs> I think that's the exact right way I'm thinking of putting it. Yeah. You, Barbie doesn't make someone sour. You're sour no. before you go into Barbie. It doesn't make anyone sour. It makes yeah. everything. It should be all fucking like sunshine and rainbows. And it is. But it also is like fucking wow. It's so it's got it's just got more than it needs to be. And apparently that's not OK. Women should just want to watch a regular old Barbie movie. <laughs> so I think we should head into who I think are the two powerhouses of this movie. Mm hmm. Since you mentioned the, you know, going into the real world and all that stuff. But I did want to shout out Kate McKinnon. She had my second favorite line in the entire movie. It was, um, you, you know, it's really the fork in my soup. I thought, I don't know why that really just hit me. I think that's the funniest phrase. The fork in my soup. <laughs> it's great. Honestly, I did not. I need to watch it again. I'm going to go watch it again because I don't remember that exactly. <laughs> it's when she's talking to Barbie after she picks her up out of the the uh what is it the, the Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa House <laughs> and, she's, yeah. and she's trying to figure out why Barbie wasn't brain brainwashed. She's like, you know what, the, you know what's the real fork in my soup. <laughs> I just thought it was the so funniest good. thing. It's a great metaphor though, because I get she, it. That would be awful to have a soup and be given a fork. It's like it's like the thorn in my foot or whatever. Yeah, like, thorn in my the, yeah, yeah the pebble in my, my shoe. Yeah, yeah. But like Kate McKinnon, all she does is those lines. Like, like when when Margot Robbie's like, you can be ugly or weird, and that's just life. And she's like, preach it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, preach it. <laughs> but let's let's talk about Margot Robbie. Okay, who I'll put as the first person, Margot Robbie as Barbie might be one of the best castings ever. Oh, of all time. It's like, like she was made specifically like she was bred to make to be Barbie. Like she's so good. And the fact that they casted her and then wrote her casting kind of into the story. Yeah. Was just unbelievable. Like the fact that like, I love the scene when she's like, I'm ugly. And then Helen Mirren there is like, <laughs> Note, note to, to the, the filmmakers. Yeah, note to the filmmakers. <laughs> casting Margot Robbie it, for this line does not sell it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe cast somebody else, right? I mean, for real, it's like she's not ugly ever. Even when they try to make you think like Margot Robbie is ever not attractive in a movie, she's still fucking attractive. But that's why she's fucking perfect for Barbie. And I will say also in the same equal way that like Ryan Gosling is absolutely perfect for Ken. Like yeah. I couldn't have imagined another casting. Yeah, like either yeah. of them. Yeah, like I could not both that's why both of them deserve a a, a nomination. Like they are so mm -hmm. good at being these toy characters that are the highest level of naive. Like they don't know the real world at all. And they totally sell it through these, like, it's not even through, like, a moment. They sell it through the entire movie. Like, Ken's motivation totally. of being, like, a, you know, a subject in a matriarchy to being, like, the king of the patriarchy. His entire motivation is that he is hurt by Barbie and because he was made to love her, but she doesn't necessarily love him because she doesn't yeah. need him because he's an accessory. Like, mm -hmm. 
the writing of all that and then their portrayal through that whole arc is just amazing. And then percent. And then Barbie's journey of being a toy or sorry, being like a pillar of history because the movie starts with Barbie solved all problems, which I thought was the funniest shit I've ever. Liked. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, such just good hyperbole. Like, and the whole like opening to making fun of like being just a spoof of like two thousand one yeah, space yeah. odyssey is incredible with like the Barbies because it is the fact that like before Barbie it was just like you could play with a baby, <laughs> yeah. and you could be a mom, and I'm like that's fucked. That's really fucked. I, I, I <laughs> the love, 1950s for people to figure that out. I love the line where they're like, being a mom is fun for a minute. Ask your mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, God, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, no, I 100% agree. It's just like, oh, this movie's just so incredible. Margot Robbie is like, maybe I would say it goes in the pantheon of like ultimate best castings ever in the history of film well and it's like you kind of get a margot robbie similar to um to babylon which we talked about about. are you really gonna say babylon i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it because you get the journey in babylon you get the journey of stardom you know and having to cry on command and all that stuff here you get the journey uh to to being human you also get a cry on command kind of moment the beautiful moment between between her and the old woman at the bench. Yep, Ruth. And it, but like her experience, like in this one moment, she's kind of like experiencing the the whole humanity of emotion, where she sees all these people, like someone by themselves, some you know, a couple in love, a couple fighting. She like experiences all of this, and Margot mm-hmm. Robbie is just like really great at at carrying us through that journey. Oh, you know, yeah. One way we get the close up of her. Oh, she's incredible. That whole scene at the bus station when she's like talking to the old woman and she's like, You're beautiful. And the old woman's like, I know it. <laughs> like, it's just so sweet. And if you can, like, I'm sure you can believe it, actually. I won't even say if you can believe it because the studios were like, I think you should cut that. It doesn't add yeah. anything to the movie. And Greta Gerwig was like, If I don't have that scene in the movie, I don't know what the movie is. Like, yeah, I need that scene. That's the movie. And I'm like, that just shows those fucking idiots who are yeah. running the studios. That is like a great trivia fact, but it also pisses me the fuck off that those people have the money and are making decisions on shit. They're like, how does that scene make us money? It's like, it shows humanity. <laughs> yeah, but they're like totally fine with like any of the other scenes. Like they probably don't care, but they're like, ah, oh, this one's kind of boring. If I'm here for Barbie and Ken, this is not a good scene. Yeah. Where's Ken, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's at the Mojo Dojo Casa house. Yeah. But... I love Ken. The whole Mojo Dojo thing. I mean, Ken's just like ultimate. It's almost like it's <laughs> Ken's story and Barbie's story. That's what's great is that if you're offended that this is a feminist movie, it's like, well, it's half Barbie, half <laughs> Ken's story. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, if if they did a Ken spinoff like they talked about in the movie, it would probably do pretty well. I don't know if it would, would do it? one. I don't know if it would do one point four billion, but no, you need both of them. That's the magic factor. Yeah. Uh, but here, then, yeah, Margot Robbie's incredible at being this toy character. I also did love that, like, she plays the original barbie the stereotypical barbie yeah and that speech that uh that 
she talks about where she's like, I'm not anything. There's like Dr. Barbie. There's writer Barbie. There's all these things. There's all these yeah. other Barbie. She's like, I'm just Barbie. I don't <laughs> know. It reminded me of everything everywhere all at once when they're telling Michelle, you know, you're like, you're the perfect uh, Michelle. <laughs> you haven't because, done anything. Because you're the least successful of all your, <laughs> of all your, the versions of yourself. You the- haven't done anything like (laughs) Like, you're the you're the perfect one (laughs) because you haven't done anything yeah honestly I mean it's you're right but it's funny how like I mean it's like she becomes a real person by the end because she goes on the most meaningful journey more than like you would expect like you know president or physicist Barbie physicist Barbie would have been hilarious if she was like the main character that would have been an even better pairing with Oppenheimer yeah. Not that I understood any of that, but I feel like maybe she could have kept up. But I, uh, I mean, I, I just I love everything about Margot Robbie and like the fact that she is she literally is the stereotypical Barbie come to life. I mean, it's perfect casting, but she plays it so well and has such great, like you said, emotion, everything to back it up. I would hope I feel like she'll get overlooked for best actress, though, because I feel like they'll probably go with someone else who's like dirty and doing some crazy ass like monologue yeah. for 20 minutes. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I want her to be nominated, but I don't know if she'll. I think she should be nominated for Babylon personally, but that has come and went. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, th- this is an unorthodox movie to to get nominated for something like that. But uh, there's I think it has to win for like best uh, set design and all those awards. I mean, it'll be going up against best Oppenheimer. Costumes but we'll be talking about probably both of them at the same time. But I agree. Barbie has incredible sets and they even made them like a little bit too big for Barbie because like a lot yeah. of like when you had Barbie and like put her in her car, you're like, this isn't the right proportions or like going through her house. So it's like they just nailed it and they did it perfectly. But I will say, I just have to say, I really think I would buy irrepressible thoughts of death. Barbie just saying, <laughs> <laughs> well, the second person that I mentioned who carries this movie, and this might be just my opinion, I think America Ferreira, yeah, is her performance is as powerful as Margot Robbie's. I think she should be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Like, like I think she could. She's that level of incredible. I agree with you on that. Like I Ryan was, Gosling's amazing, but like she brings real like emotion into this movie. Like, yeah, she brings the the relatable, the relatable human being side of it, like a normal person who like yeah. used to maybe relatable woman. Not all guys played with Barbies, but like so maybe sure some you guys people. played with some Ken dolls. Come on. Uh, I was not a <laughs> doll person myself, but uh, probably but cut like, the heads off all your dolls. <laughs> <laughs> probably lit them on fire. But like <laughs> her whole thing of like great twist first off to think that. Barbie is chasing the daughter, but Barbie's actually chasing the mother who plays oh, with the such dolls. Oh, such a great twist. Great twist. And America Ferrer plays this super relatable person. Also, I'm like, where's America Ferrer been? She's wonderful. I love her. I know. I feel like, I, well, she was on that TV show. What was that show? The, like, uh, Superstore, right? She was on that for a long time. She's great on that. She was on uh, a Netflix show that we watched, that me and the wife watched recently we're like oh where's she been um i'm trying to look it up most recently i've seen her on an episode of curb your enthusiasm and she played lynn manuel miranda's uh wife who like sits next <laughs> to larry at 
uh, when they go see Hamilton and then Larry falls asleep because he took these pills for his like shoulder pain and then he <laughs> falls asleep next to her and then it's like, oh shit, she's going to tell her husband. <laughs> but yeah, like she's, she's, she's really good in this. And like, she has that, she has that speech, which I feel like everyone really yeah. latched on to, but it's like, she was great the entire movie. It just like being a working mother and like trying to relate to her kid. Also great casting for the kid. Like that oh, kid yeah. looked like she could be the daughter. Of That's that the fucking girl. We were like talking about in 65. I'm like, this chick is way older <laughs> yeah, than they're yeah. treating her in this movie. I feel like she's like 16 and they're talking about her. Like she's nine. Like it doesn't make any sense. She's the same age in both of these movies. I do not understand it, but this was way better. Cause at least she talked and like I could understand her because she wasn't speaking gibberish, right? She's only, and they don't put subtitles on anything she says in that movie. So this one, I was like, she's great. I really enjoyed her. Yeah, she's playing like a super woke young girl. And she nails it. I mean, it's it. pretty accurate. Gen like G. she nails it. Like hundred oh, percent. Calling like Barbie a fascist. Oh yeah, her like... speech to Barbie. I'm like, that is amazing. That is <laughs> That's such... what I'm saying. She's so fucking good. And the whole thing, too, of like when she's like, you're a fascist. And she's like, I'm not a fascist. I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. <laughs> it's just so good. And it's just so great that like she's dealing with like all of this horrible shit and like these like crazy like realizations that women are way worse off, whereas like Ken's the opposite. Like men rule the world. Like this is, it's just a great experience. And it's hilarious that like Barbie land would naturally be the flip of that. It's just a great way into the Barbie movie. Like that makes it like, like my, literally my dad took my, his mom and my mom to go see this movie, wow. which is like a lot of effort. And he fucked, they like, they let, they liked it, but I'm just like, like, I can't imagine them going to see any other movie about women or like yeah. anything. I mean, let alone even the Mario movie they didn't yeah. go see. Like, it's crazy to me that people are really like everyone went to go see it. And I think it's because it's just a universal message. And if you're getting offended, you're finding something to find to get offended about. But I think yeah. it's because it, you're literally buying or playing into fucking America Ferrer's speech about yeah. women. You know, it's like, you you can you have to answer for men's behavior, but like if you point out their bad behavior, then you're accused of complaining or being woke or whatever. And it's like all this shit. It's like literally they're just proving the point of that whole speech. It just makes it more relevant. <laughs> I loved how when when the Kens took over Barbie Land, how they made a bunch of things, and a big part of the of their patriarchy that they instituted was them saying the same thing twice so like you have ken's mojo dojo casa house and they they had that whole scene of like you don't have to say dojo and, and house. they're like and yeah. casa it's or no like, casa and house is like the same but, thing <laughs> but then they they had it several other times like they said brewski beer they had <laughs> they had bride wife blodo faced day drunk <laughs> Ditto, same, same, 
and president prime minister. It's like, <laughs> like double um, meaning because they don't understand it's it. It's like they had a, a big part of the patriarchy was saying the same thing twice. And I thought that was that's so really... funny that they that they like layered that level of detail. That's a it. really excellent detail, Jace. I'm very impressed that you called that out because I that went over. I'm literally I'm going to go watch Barbie as soon as we're done with this, because like I just feel like there's so many things in here that like I. It almost feels right, though. I don't know why people are offended because I feel like, you know, when you watch like movies from when you were a kid that you loved and you watch them again as an adult and you're like, oh, my God, there's like sex jokes and like other <laughs> things like things being said in this movie that I do not remember because it doesn't <laughs> apply to you when you're a kid. You, it goes right over your head. So it's like they've always had something bigger to say or said yeah. something, been like, you know, a commentary in some way. So, yeah. I don't know, but I agree. America Ferrer, if she does not get nominated, she's totally robbed, man. She's incredible. She was so good. And she should I, be in everything. <laughs> she should. Get back on the horse, America. We're ready for you. I loved her in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movies. I can just say that. I love those movies. Well, to take part in the uh, Mojo Dojo Casa House, I have not seen the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but I will say probably wouldn't I, get it yeah <laughs> probably not the target audience but my, my for pants, any women out there it's incredible two movies my pants are a special size but i was gonna say <laughs> my favorite line i think of the entire movie it goes to to writer barbie when they deprogram or well, yeah when they deprogram she says i was in this dream where i was like really invested in the Zack snyder justice league <laughs> <laughs> too good <laughs> i thought okay. like oh man in in 20 years that's gonna be the deepest cut and i love oh, it so much i yeah i bet <laughs> you it will be because it's like wait what but it's like it's so true because it's like all of those fuckers who the are bunch talking of dudes about, that are obsessed with dudes. this four hour long movie <laughs> i like justice league not was... as much as the next person but like i enjoyed it it was better than the first one I'm not going to fucking get a heart on and yell at Barbie about it. I don't understand how those two are related. Renee, I think but we have the true. same opinion. I'm like, it's a it's a it's a good movie that's better than the original, but it's they fixed no, it. It's no better than a good movie. It's but still to talk about four it. hours. It's yeah. it's just a much more Zack Snyder doing slow-mo. He has consumed all the slow-mo. An artist, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't care. I love it when he does it, and I'm perfectly fine with four hours of it. But am I here, like, really invested in whatever he does? No, I don't want him to continue shit. I don't care. If you are a Snyderverse, like, fan, I mean, it's fine to be a Snyderverse fan, but if you're a crazy person, like, there's definitely, you shouldn't be, I mean, if you're offended by this, this comment in the movie about Snyderverse people, I think you are the problem. It's really like this movie's just calling you on it, man. Well, I think if you if you if you're if you're one of those people that you have a deep investment in the Snyder cut, then you're probably gonna love the next movie we're gonna talk about, which is Oppenheimer, which has black and white and normal color, and it's like almost four hours. So I'm gonna kill myself before we talk. I'm just <laughs> Let's kidding. Get into it. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it. Until they understand it. 
and they won't understand it until they've used it. All right, so now we're going to talk about the other half of the Barbenheimer. We're talking about Oppenheimer, which is a very interesting movie. Uh, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a Christopher Nolan classic. Um, definitely not in the top half. I will. I mean, I know a lot of people probably would put this up there as like one of the best films that he's ever made. But like, mm. I think our my rankings just differ from most people because like I just I mean, I really I like this movie. My first note is that it's better than fucking Tenet. That's all I got to say. <laughs> that's not all I have to say, but that's like I would agree. Point is better would... than Tenet. Good job on him for not being a total dick this time around. That's all I feel. And like, <laughs> I just feel like Tenet was just like, fuck you. I don't care about plot, characters, explaining things, sound. Like, I was just like, what is this? If it's like, this is not a movie. So I feel like this was actually like, okay, I could keep up tiny bit better <laughs> i feel like, like i feel like a lot of christopher nolan movies are him on mushrooms whereas i feel like tenet is him on like i don't know some, some sort like of some sort Ayahuasca. of joe, some sort of like joe rogan drug you know or like something that you're like shitting your brains out and then you're high <laughs> for like three days and you're like with a shaman that's what I think. Ayahuasca is like the kind of shit he was on for that movie. Cause he's I will never like, get it in a million years. He's just like, all right, what if we did try and travel? But what if we did it front and back? And what if everyone wore masks? So we couldn't and nobody hear what they were saying. Anything. <laughs> yeah. And we turned the sound on the, on the jets up 3000%. We turned the volume on the audio all the way down. I don't not even, even hear what the actors are saying. Not even the subtitles make sense. Let's just do that. Let's go literally. Nuts with it. The first time I saw that without subtitles, I literally did not watch it with subtitles until <laughs> the second time. I actually, you it know what? Help. I don't know. It does not. <laughs> I watched it and I was like, this did nothing except remind me that I hate this fucking movie. And I just felt like I really, I love Inception. I still don't think I'll ever get it, but like I kind of get it for the most part. And I feel it's like that's smart. a staple of Nolan movies is you kind of get it. You kind of get it. But like, I feel like I've, I mean, maybe it's just because I like the Batman movies, but I understand all those completely. I don't feel like any of that is lost on me. Outside of the Batman trilogy, I have a hard time keeping up with Christopher Nolan movies. I got to say. So do you, do you have like a do you have like a top something of Nolan oh, movies? Yeah, yeah. That we can get into before we jump. I'll into tell you, this. my number one is a is a maybe a controversial choice. I'm not positive. My favorite Christopher Nolan movie is The Prestige, <laughs> with I, uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. I feel like that's not a super hot take. I personally don't agree with it, but I Prestige is a weird movie for me. I love ninety. 8% of that movie. The 2% that involves cloning, I don't like. Oh, you're so dumb. That's why it's so great. It's no. so great because both men become terrible by the end. They both do fucked up shit. And it's just great. It's also hilarious to me that it came out at the same time as The Illusionist, which is another story about a magician. I love The Illusionist. Like barely anything since then. Like These two <laughs> movies came out at the same time. So weird. I just love the prestige. I can't get over it. But I would say like Inception and The Dark Knight are probably up there. So in my top three. Prestige is number two. 
Okay, so prestige for me is similar to like we talked about um, Cobweb, how I don't mm-hmm. love the 2% at the end where we see the thing's face. Don't like that. I'm not going to judge the whole movie based off that. I can't so, believe you don't like the cloning. That's my favorite part because it's so fucked up. It's so yeah. fucked up. It's super fucked up. Also, I love Rick and Morty, and they have a whole thing. They have a whole episode dedicated to making fun of the prestige. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Okay, I'm going to watch it. Oh, that. it's so great. It's, I love it's that amazing. movie. It's just um, a great movie, and I feel like it's not talked about enough when everyone talks about how incredible Christopher Nolan is, and I think he is really great. I it, Don't get me wrong. I think he's an incredible filmmaker. I just don't want to suck his dick as badly as the rest of all the like people who are obsessed with him. I feel like yeah. they all are just like ready for anything that he drops, and I'm just like, I'll see it when it's at home. I'm not going for a four-hour movie to the theaters. <laughs> yeah. Also, the, the, the performances and the prestige are incredible. So good. And there's like, I just feel like this is a great movie with great Oppenheimer has great performances, but there's so many people that I kind of get like they whiplash get, almost. Yeah, but you, also you, like there's there's certain ones that stand out for sure. But like I will say, like something like the prestige is like fewer characters, it's easy to focus on. It's just like it's incredible, great twist ending, personally. Yeah. So I would say like my top for Christopher Nolan, it in no particular order, it would probably be Interstellar, Memento, and if I, in probably The Dark Knight. If I yeah. wasn't going to include The Dark Knight, it would probably be, if I wasn't going to include like comic book stuff, it would probably be like, I don't know, like Dunkirk. Please don't be one of those people who's like, I'm not going to include The Dark Knight because it's a comic book movie. It's a fucking incredible movie. It should have oh, won it is. that year. I mean, <laughs> but I juggle in my mind whether I like The Dark Knight or Batman Begins more. The ew, Dark Chase, ew, Dude, ew, the ba- ew. Batman Begins is so good. Dark Knight, no. Dark Knight is no. so good because of Heath Ledger it's so good in general for every fucking thing it's the perfect movie for every aspect including Heath Ledger but I will say the first one is like the worst one I think no go back and watch it go back and watch it go back and watch okay go back and watch it it's so good my husband is like like, sorry excuse me (laughs) you're married to Christopher Nolan no (laughs) Nolan literally though confusing but Nolan is like so obsessed with the dark knight like that's his favorite movie i've watched it a billion times i've watched the trilogy a billion times i really just like i really don't care about the first one except for liam neeson is good but like the first one's okay i prefer the second and third but i I know that's the hot take because a lot of people don't love dark knight rises but i think bane makes that movie entertaining because like his voice is so crazy i love it (laughs) all right love what you love I yeah. love the first one. Dark well, Knight I guess two, I guess I Dark can let Knight that happen. Is, Dark Knight is wonderful, but I think it's the one of his best movies. It's one of the best like movies ever made. I think it's one of the best. It's definitely right. the best comic book movie. I think. I, ever I, made. I, I think we need to stop because you're just saying it's the best of many things, and I and that's not the point of what we're talking about, Renee. All right. <laughs> well, let's. I don't have many notes on Oppenheimer. That's all I'm I, trying I'm, to fucking I'm, make. Something out of nothing. I got I got notes for us. I got I'm you actually leave. take notes during this movie, Jace. I could not even thought think about taking notes. I was barely keeping up with the movie. <laughs> I kept having to pull it up like the Google <laughs> and like figure out what the fuck they were talking about. So 
this actually works out good because I this was your first time seeing it, right? Yes. I okay. waited for it to come to home, just yeah. like as Nolan, Christopher Nolan intended. <laughs> yeah, he, he loved that. <laughs> it was a nice so this, size TV. So this was my second time watching it. The first time I watched it, um, I I went and did the IMAX experience, and I'll did you I'll jerk off during or afterwards. <laughs> well, it was it was a communal jerk off. Yeah, the I entire figured. theater. I mean, well, I won't go see it. I was there with my buddies. I was sitting next to his wife. She was a little uncomfortable with the jerking off, but you know, yeah. that's you sign up for. You it. just expect that at a Christopher yeah, Nolan yeah. picture in IMAX nowadays. <laughs> we were all mushroom clouding at the same time, is what oh, what I'm trying to say. That's upsetting. <laughs> but we went and saw. We went and saw the IMAX. I will say, visually, the IMAX experience was underwhelming, which makes sense. You know, it's a totally practical movie, but I will say the audio for the IMAX was nuts. The only thing I could really like compare it to, it was like the ending of the Italian job when uh, Seth Green was like, I want the speaker set that blows the clothes off a girl, uh, a, off the clothes off a girl. It was like that where like when the bomb blew up, just boom, I was like, whoa. Jesus. You actually felt the effect. Like I don't need to be in an I don't need to be near a nuclear bomb going off. I'm okay. <laughs> Honestly, I just felt like a little underwhelmed with the whole bomb explosion. I know it's cool that it was practical, and I'm all about practical effects. Love that Christopher Nolan's about it. Did he not light the world? Did he light the world on fire? <laughs> that one scene where he's like throwing the atmosphere on fire. Like, if that's not CGI, what is that? Right? I was I was also like, you know what? I'm still here. I just yeah. walked out of the theater. Looks it, like we, he just blew up the world. And <laughs> I'm still here. I heard there was no CGI. So I'm just wondering. I'm sure they could have used a model, but it sounds like he was going for everything real. I'm just saying. Sounds like Christopher Nolan might get a little too real with this next movie and actually blow up the earth. Is all I'm saying. If I was one of those actors on set and he's like, I'm really setting off a bomb, I'd be like, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to. I don't care if my character was outside for that. I don't need to die in 20 years because of all the whatever poisoning is coming out of that thing. Like, Jesus. That would have been the real uh, effect that they should have done where they use like a film that's radioactive or something so that mm -hmm. we as the people that watched it in theater, we got radioactive poisoning that at 20 years. 20 years from now we're dealing with the effects Nobody, of that. They could not have they could not advertise come to this movie for the Hiroshima effect. It would not be popular. <laughs> I but, will say that like that I just thought that I thought that this movie was really good overall. Like it's well really well made. I could see yeah. why it's going to win a bunch of Oscars. But like I just think it could have been I mean I know it's fucking quantum physics and mechanics and all this shit but couldn't they have just like dumbed it down slightly i just feel like there was a lot that was expected of me and if he's gonna be doing all this quantum physics shit could we have like had some time stamps on the scenes <laughs> i realized after the movie was over that i was watching it and i was like oh half the stuff i've seen is from further in the future <laughs> i just realized that like i thought it was all happening at the same time i need fucking help me i never say like i like it i always, I always like it when they're like i just do something weird and don't care but christopher nolan i feel like he's doing it with too complicated subject matter that, we need a little bit more information <laughs> that is the danger of watching it at home if you're if you're distracted for a second and you miss the date displayed I've watched, 
everything closely. <laughs> I had to pause it so I could Google things that was on the screen because I didn't understand. I do feel it could have been a little bit more clear. That's all. <laughs> I know it's as, I mean, maybe this is why I didn't see the movie about fucking Stephen Hawking. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to understand it personally. <laughs> Like, if that had been done by Christopher Nolan, I probably would have begrudgingly watched it like I did this movie. But I'm like, this isn't made for me. <laughs> this so, movie is not made for me. I enjoyed it. It was fine. I don't think it's the best movie ever. You saying that it's not made for you, that is probably the best thing you could say. Because yeah, there's I a lot it's of... made for everybody else. No, th this is made for a group of people. And, like, I agree with you. I like this movie. I will never tell anyone you have to see this movie. No, I'd never recommend it. You got three hours to kill. <laughs> yeah, like if it's if it's something that someone's like, oh, I love Christopher Nolan. I love practical effects. The prestige. <laughs> yeah. If you love that, then I'm like, oh, yeah, you should watch. It's weird if you haven't seen Oppenheimer based off those two criterias because if you know if you love nolan you're probably gonna see this movie but... i mean they just it's because of barbie that this became a huge thing for nolan i feel like this could have been like an i mean i still haven't seen dunkirk because i don't care about another war movie i refuse to watch another one i'm tired of it uh, and Dun i did not watch it dunkirk is good i personally like dunkirk more than oppenheimer Hmm. I still don't care. I don't <laughs> care to watch it. This And this movie just felt like, like I love Christopher Nolan in the right. Like he's always so smart, but like I like when he plays with certain things that like I'm just more interested in. This movie just combines four things I'm terrible at. Math, science, politics, and history. <laughs> so I'm like, is this movie like is Oppenheimer to intellectuals what Barbie is to women? I wonder. Because or like intellectuals slash like cinephile bros like that's probably what it is i would them. say i would say not even intellectuals because i feel like intellectual would be like they really dumb this down no but <laughs> the intellectuals are like christopher nolan made this whole deal of like oh i had a real physicist who was helping me with everything everything's accurate blah 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 blah, blah. he does that on all of his movies and it's just like okay really well <laughs> like, like kristen wig and bridesmaids like just like really did you that's so great <laughs> of course you did <laughs> it just feels like a like i get it but it's also like okay i um, mean it, it just didn't have to be as long as it did <laughs> i agree with you it did not need to be this long but i had a similar sentiment where the a lot of the movie i kept hearing danny mcbride in my heads from this is the end the nerds <laughs> i kept hearing that throughout the movie like when the guy's at the barber shop and he's like running out with his apron still on he's like they they split the atom and they're like all excited i'm like nerds yeah <laughs> literally i will say i think my favorite performance in this whole movie is josh hartnett i just really loved him i thought right. he was really great yeah, let's get let's actually get into the movie because yeah, we both liked the movie. I'm not able to get into much of the plot. I'll tell you that. I got I don't you. Know I got what you. I was watching. However, <laughs> the performances are many and very well done. This is this is where I get to be the exclusive. I got you. Please. Okay, so so thank God, Josh Hartnett. This was the. I mean, this movie has a ton of people in it. But yeah, Josh yeah. Hartnett is one of those guys who's like, oh, I haven't. Seen, seen you him in si anything. I haven't seen you since that random episode of Black Mirror. And then now you're in a giant movie, a hundred mm -hmm. million dollar budget movie, and like a pretty predominant character. 
and you know, he, he turned down the role of Batman in the Christian Bale films. He was originally offered Batman, and he was like one of like he was in the top three. He was offered the role, and he declined because he didn't want to do a superhero movie, and he said he regretted it ever since and wanted to work with Christopher Nolan. So he so paved, good for him. He paved the way for Bale. Yeah, but like, man, that would have been crazy. He would have been good, and like, he's a really good actor, is what this showed. I mean. This also has the guy from fucking Drake and Josh. This, I mean, Christopher Nolan's given a chance to a lot of people over here. <laughs> I mean, it's good. I think he's like, it's surprising how many people are in this movie that are incredible. But Josh Hartnett just stood out to me as like, oh, I missed him. And he's great. Good yeah. for him. He kind of plays the opposite political spectrum of, of Killian Murphy. But like they have this singular goal that they're mm -hmm. both kind of bonding over. Yeah, like he's really good. He plays like he's he's not in the movie that much for a three hour movie, but like no. the moments he's in, like he's really, really good. Yeah, he's I agree. He's one of like the main, like I would say main supporting characters. He's, right? like, he's not he's, like he's like a first, he's like a first third main yeah. character. <clears throat> yeah. And he's still in it for like the end, but yeah, I mean, again, as soon as while I'm watching this movie, I'm just like it, how much longer is this? I go an hour and a half. I thought we were that like thirty minutes ago. What the fuck is happening? the The way that the way that they use time in this movie is, we joked, you know, last year when they announced this. Or I, I, I was joking. I was like, how is how is Christopher Nolan going to build in time travel into this? And kudos to him for not building it in. But like, he I mean, he basically time, did. He used time <laughs> in a real confusing way. I mean, I love that he's all about that. And it works for move for things like it works for Inception or it works for like Memento or like works yeah. for those kind of things. This is a fucking biopic. OK, I don't need to be jumping around in time, figuring out where I'm going. We were briefly talking about that new show, Monarch, which is also playing with... I swear to God, he's making that show secretly <laughs> under a pseudonym because that's the Christopher Nolan style. It's like, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm not going to tell you anything. And it's just like, I need a little bit of consistency before you start jumping around. Before it gets to Game of Thrones level, they fucking establish those yeah. places, right? And those characters. Yeah. You, you have to fucking do that. It's really hard to keep up, I gotta say. And I don't care if these are all real people and I can Google it. Yeah. It's a lot to fucking Google. There's there, there's a lot here. There is so much that happens in this movie. I, I couldn't help. I mean, watching it a second time helped a lot because all the stuff I missed the first time around, I was able to piece together. But I don't know if that necessarily added to the movie. But the second time watching it through, I'm like, this would be an incredible, like, eight episode nine episode mini series totally where instead of one movie they cram in essentially three phases of his life they do three episodes on mm -hmm. each one similar to like chernobyl on hbo formerly known as hbo that that was an incredible nuclear mini series unbelievable this would have been a perfect nine episode thing where instead of cramming you know, and a, a person's entire life, they do phases over a period of episodes. It would have like, made more sense that way, I it, think, for sure, because I would have felt more comfortable with, like, the, like, I mean, this just felt like it was, I always think of, like, how the way Mike Flanagan describes time in Haunting of Hill House, that it's, like, confetti, 
And I'm like, that's Christopher Nolan's interpretation of time. That it's just confetti and it's all happening at once all over the place. And like, good luck keeping up. And I just need a little string between. <laughs> just a tiny bit. I'm like, 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 I know that there's black and white for some parts of the movie, but God forbid that they ever tell you what that fucking means. I'm pretty sure it means Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Yeah, it's his perspective. Sure. But like some fucking dates or times or anything <laughs> would be excellent. And even if it's it's just so that I could make a timeline. So I'm understanding, okay, we're at this year, we're at this year. Like there's just so many timelines to keep up. And I did not think it was a Marvel multiverse movie. So I'm like, <laughs> this is more complicated than that. I just and the, was surprised. And, and even if you are following that like through line of like, okay, black and white is this this yeah. is this. that's like a barely they, able to comprehend through line yeah they even screw that up because there's scenes where you have a black and white version of the same scene as a as a colored version of that scene yes. so you're like wait so wait what am i was confused by that like the first time i, w- I was like oh man okay oh uh, i didn't know any of this before when i was watching the movie this is all stuff i found out in the trivia that i was like huh that would have been interesting <laughs> if somebody would have i mean not that i need things spelled out for me but like a like little just, bit, a little a bit more little than bit what more. this happens. Yeah, fucking just I know the guys in fucking crazy ass shit, but like, couldn't we have like really focused in on some things? It just felt like so like high level for like math, science, politics, and history that I'm like, I didn't know I needed to take a fucking test before <laughs> I watched this movie. I don't know anything about. I'm like, like, like. Like Nolan was asking me, like Einstein was alive in the fifties, and I'm like, I don't fucking know. I didn't, I didn't take a test on that before I started this. I have no uh, idea when he was around. I just, so maybe I'm dumb, but like I just don't care. That's my other thing. Me and him were like, this is about like history, science, and politics. I'm yeah. sorry, I just don't care. <laughs> Well, and like the the rate that they like jump around through time, it's so hard to keep up with. Like I wrote some basic, I wrote some like basic notes of like the linear things that happen in this movie. It's like, so we start with he's a student and then he's a famous scientist. So we skip the entire student phase of his life. Then he's a communist. Then he's banging Flo, Florence Mm -hmm. Pugh. Then well, he... like, what's her problem? She always calls him when she needs him, but she well, never explains. Like, they never go into that relationship at all. We'll, we'll get into Flo. So he's banging Flo. Then he knocks up Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Then he marries an Emily Blunt. Then he's not a communist and joins the, the Manhattan Project. Then he fosters his own child to his friend. Does he? Like, yeah. Like, this just happens in a scene. I don't even remember that. When 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 uh when um a lim- uh, uh, Emily Blunt is drunk when he comes home after he gets in the Manhattan Project and the baby's crying and she and he's like shouldn't you go to him and she's like I've been going to him all day. Then he like takes his baby to his friend and he's like hey will you take care of my baby for a couple months? So oh. like, he foster homes his own kid. I didn't even notice. (laughs) I know. It's like one scene. I didn't catch it the first time. The second time I watched it, it's like, geez, this happened. Okay. Then uh, he has the flow relapse. Then Hitler dies. Hitler dying. I was like, that's a time jump. And then they drop the bomb. And then I was like, yeah, wait. So then the whole reason (laughs) that you guys are doing this is dead. So like, what's the point? Oh, the Japanese. It's like. You couldn't have mentioned the fact that you were going to drop a nuclear bomb on them and maybe they would have changed their mind. <laughs> I'm just saying, 
it just felt like this whole movie was about this guy who made a bomb and then like way later after the bomb was used realized hey maybe that wasn't a good idea because now they're making more bombs as if like that wasn't the obvious fucking idea from the fucking get-go i get <laughs> that you have to do it because of the nazi race like sure the nazis having bombs is worse than us i get it but once the nazis are gone fuck it like we don't need this shit you know i yeah. feel like there was a lot of other ways to solve the problems, but they're like, no, let's keep going with that bomb thing. We need it. So here's like my main criticism of the movie. I enjoyed the movie. It's actually a, a better rewatch than I was expecting. But the main criticism criticism I have is the movie's called Oppenheimer. It follows the main character of Robert Oppenheimer. I don't really feel like I actually learn anything about Oppenheimer. I feel like I learned about what happened to him with the trial and him getting um, the security clearance taken away. But I don't. Yeah, which apparently was a big deal because I don't understand how that works or what that is. Because when they <laughs> took when they took his when they took his security his clearance. Clit? <laughs> When they that took would have been his... a more interesting movie if they <laughs> that took would have been clit. a much more interesting. I mean, movie. they had kind of had that scene where Florence Pugh and him were fucking naked in the conference room, which I did want to talk about. But tell me, oh, we'll we'll get there when we get to yeah. flow because we have but a they... whole yeah. whole thought. But like, I feel like I didn't <laughs> learn anything about Robert Oppenheimer as Jay a... Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> I don't care. That's that the is... one thing I learned of this movie. Is it Jay? Robert or Robert yeah. J. It's J. Robert Oppenheimer. And he goes, Are you sure? Robert. Yes, I'm positive, Jace. I looked <laughs> this up. Is they said that, like, at one point, like, his teacher or whatever says, Oh, the J doesn't mean anything. But it, it's like named after his father, which was Julius, but he went by. Okay, you're right. Robert. J. J. I am Robert. right. Fuck off. <laughs> I didn't learn much from this movie, but I learned his fucking name. I'll tell you that. That's the one fucking thing I knew about this movie. <laughs> When I when I finished was like, oh, I remember that they said his name was J. Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that he invented the bomb. And then he suddenly decided that that wasn't a great idea, even though I think we could all tell that that wasn't going to be a good idea off the like. Yeah. Idiot. But yeah, like I feel like like they talked about him being a womanizer and egotistical. And it feels How like is he a womanizer. He looked like a Skeletor. Well. <laughs> Because he's Killian Murphy and like I guess, him, but he him smoking upsetting. a cigarette, he can do whatever he wants. I don't no, know. No, he looked like literally a skeleton. And he ate, apparently his his diet was a almond a day. That was what he ate in order to look like this guy. Because this guy, when he was working on the Manhattan Project, weighed 115 pounds. I got to tell you, I would murder people every day if all I could eat was an almond. I probably he would commit at least 10 murders every day. If Opp that was where I was at. Oppen Oppenheimer measured his meat in megatons, you know, because of the bomb. Okay, gross. <laughs> that was, I don't need to hear about his meat. He barely had any fucking meat on his bones. It was probably, he probably, all of his weight was probably his dick. Honestly, if he's like sleeping that's with the that megatons. Meat, that's gotta be it. There's no way. <laughs> but yeah, so like, like we we see him briefly, which I also thought was a weird scene as a student. The one scene we seen as him as a student where he like goes to kill his professor. They That's really scared. they really skip over that. And apparently there was also a lot of uh, 
lot of drama over that. I don't of, care. Of like Oppenheimer's family, like that's not how it worked. His like, family is still alive. Like I don't know his relatives, descendants. <laughs> Get over know. it, idiots. I don't. Know. I don't track any of these historical movies as actually accurate. So I'm like, I'm sure this is a fabrication. Hey, it, it was. It was Christopher a weird... Nolan. Everything is practical. Everything is real. Okay, <laughs> they literally destroyed our atmosphere to make this movie. That's we aren't alive. Serious. That's how serious he is about cinema, Jace. How dare you? <laughs> it's not scientifically and literally accurate. Oh my god! Sorry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> But yeah, then it's like it jumps to him being a professor and it's like, cool. Why did we need the whole him poisoning the apple thing? But... I get it that we needed a scene or two or three with Kenneth Branagh. And I'm glad we got them because yeah. I was so excited to Another see our name. boy. <laughs> Wonderful man. I love him. And I forgot that he was maybe like besides Robert Pattinson, he was like a good, decent part of Tenant performance wise. No understanding of the movie. He did a good performance, sure, whatever that was. Wait, I is, always enjoy him. Is Kenneth Branagh in he's Tenet? the villain or... in Tenet. Yeah. Oh, did not I remember. literally just realized that because when I was looking up the trivia, they said he was in it, and I go, you know, I just completely blacked out everything I hated about that movie. <laughs> not that I hated, but just everything about it, except for Robert Pattinson. I oh. didn't recognize him at first because he didn't have the mustache. And I was but he like, kind of had a similar accent to yeah, Poro. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit, a little, that, like, little bit thicker. Thing. It was the yeah. accent that I was like, wait, is that Kenneth Branagh? But uh, yeah, no. you know, what was my favorite part about this movie was when they realized at the end that there's like a spy for the Russians. And it was the one guy who was working on the project with a Russian accent. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, no shit, you idiots. What the fuck? <laughs> I was like. Oh, if there's a spy here, it's that guy. He's like talking with the heaviest Russian accent. And also, I didn't realize until like three quarters into the movie that Benny Safdie is the one who plays like the the guy who's like in to all about the hydrogen bomb. Oh, uh, is that his name? Maybe? Timothy Teller. Edward Teller, I think is his name. His character. OK. Name. I learned a few things, however, but he's like a director, him and his brother, the Safdie brothers, and he also acts a lot, and he's always an interesting character role, so I just was like, wait, the, is that fucking him? It was. <laughs> I also want to ask you what you thought about Emily Blunt in this movie, because I thought she was fine. She was good, but like, what was her character? They didn't give her anything to work with. Oh, so I have a lot of thoughts on Emily, Emily Blunt. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Emothy Blunt. I like that. Sorry. <laughs> so she was really good, but like my overall, like you hated her. No, 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 no. I liked her. Like she had that one really good, like I gotcha speech at the end. Sure. But like the thing I was wondering as the whole movie, I'm like, so does she actually love him? Cause like they, they show this love thing early on and also barely Oppen a love thing oppenheimer's just like jumping from affair to affair he has an affair with emily blunt and then he has it then we learn in the third hour he has an affair with the other woman but the other guy never finds out oh yeah i don't care I'm, uh, i don't believe any of it if anything's <laughs> untrue about this movie it's that oppenheimer got laid a bunch i just don't buy but, it if he looked like skeletor i don't think he was banging <laughs> so, well so it's like he has the affair with emily blunt on affair he was with from her Flo. husband he was with Flo, and then he's with emily blunt they him and Flo weren't married but 
yeah, he has that affair with her. And the, the, like that moment of them on the the thing on the r- retreat in New Mexico, they're like, let's make out after I talk about my previous two dead spouses. Um, yeah, it was hot. I was like, that's a weird moment to kiss someone and have an affair, but cool. It just then, added, added. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, but then like every moment after that, it's always Emily Blunt's character being like, be the person that's going to make history. If you don't make history, I'm going to shit on you. Like either make history or I'm going to leave you and add you to my ex-husband list. Cause she is, has an extensive list at this point. And I was confused. I was like, why did you leave flow? Which we can save our conversation for flow. But like, I never believed that Kitty Oppenheimer loved Robert Oppenheimer based off the writing of this movie. And I'll tell you why, Jace, is because <laughs> Christopher Nolan cannot write a female character to save his life. They're always insane or like just really just unrealistic. They don't make any sense <laughs> and they're terrible. I will say that about every female he's ever written. That's probably accurate. I mean, like, even if I think about Marion Coutillard in fucking Inception, like, she's just a psychopath and yeah, she's, she's haunting his dreams. Crazy, crazy woman that killed it's herself. Always the crazy wife <laughs> that killed herself. And it's always this whole thing. And I just felt like he really fucked up because I just really did not feel anything for her character. And Florence Pugh is just an incredible actor. They didn't give her anything to work with, but she made it amazing. I just didn't understand anything about either character and why either of them was into him and why he was into any of them. He seemed only interested in science. I didn't see him ever get interested in women. And it was only like Florence Pugh that he was interested in. So the whole Emily Blunt thing just felt like very fast. She was barely in the movie. People were like, that one scene's why she's going to get her like nominated for an Oscar. And I'm like, what one scene? And even in like, I don't, I don't think that's enough. I think she was barely in this movie and barely did anything, but I did not expect any of the, like, I just, I expect that in a Christopher Nolan movie. It's all about the male performances. So let's get into flow. Cause yeah, way too less. They need more of her. (laughs) As anyone who's been listening to us knows, we are cautiously obsessed. I don't know about cautiously. Sorry. Uh, uncomfortably obsessed with flow i was like i I I was excited when 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 i was like oh her second scene she's topless nice (laughs) and i'm I'm, like i'm straight what am i saying (laughs) (laughs) but like i love her so much (laughs) yeah i'm thinking of anyone who's listened to it listening to us with an objective mind they're like these people are weirdly obsessed with flow um, if you're not the, weirdly <laughs> obsessed with Lawrence Pugh, I would judge you. Like, she's literal perfection. The, enti- <laughs> the entire movie, I was thinking, I really wish Flo was in Emily Blunt's role. Like, He's I would young, but yes. I would have loved to see Flo in that, that you know, not trial room scene, like, talking with Fake Emily Blunt. Room. Emily Blunt was great. She did a great job in that. I don't know if she'd do better, but like I love Flo. I would have loved to see her in just more of the movie. I don't I know. I just want to know what was going on with her character. What was their problem? She didn't like the flowers. I liked that he kept bringing her flowers and she did, hated them and she'd always throw them away. And I liked that for them. 
But like, I didn't get anything out of the relationship. I didn't understand the problems, why they couldn't be together. I assume it was politics, but like, that was me putting puzzle pieces that weren't even there together. (laughs) I shouldn't have to work that hard. I'm sorry. (laughs) The entirety of their relationship that I took away was that she was a commie and that's why they brought her up in this in the third hour is like you had relationships with a commie and being a communist was a big part of the plot the other reason why they had her entirely was to read the line that they marketed this entire movie with of i am death i am the destroyer of worlds like that yeah, sex but did scene. he like during sex? That's the weirdest <laughs> thing. I mean, I love it for her. Like, I want someone to say that. I or someone. I want Nolan to say that. <laughs> I've always take notes. Take notes, Nolan. Take notes, <laughs> Nolan. Tell me you're the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> I I like that. However, it was weird that she's like having him read from a book and that he could actually do it when he's having sex with Florence Pugh. I just feel like you'd have other priorities. He could have said anything and she probably would have kept doing her thing. Like, you know, he could have been like whopper, whopper. I'm your whopper. (laughs) I mean, the fact that like, I just, I just, it like that whole scene, like I had heard about the scene where they're like both naked on the chairs for a while. And like, I'd heard about that a lot. And I was like, it still took me by surprise and I loved it. But then I was like, then when they bring them back naked for the third time, it gets weird. Weirder, I should say. Because oh, that's well, when, like, he's all of a sudden it's just him naked in the courtroom. Or, like, the little mini trial you, room. You see Hated her it. You see her on his laps. Well, before that, it's just him naked. And I was like, this is uncomfortable. How long is this going to go on? <laughs> and then she's just fucking him. And he, she's, like, staring at Emily Blunt. I'm like, they really filmed this. Like that was really happening. This isn't just in their minds. Let like, me tell you, that. let me tell you, seeing that scene in IMAX, <laughs> two, two giant scoops of booty flakes. Like I was like, whoa, <laughs> giant scoops of booty flakes. Wow. <laughs> that was great. Jace. Thank you. <laughs> Like, what? I imagine that, that I would cheer for that too, though. It's the thing. I'm straight as an arrow, but I would <laughs> fucking cheer for that. I love it. I mean, yeah. Florence Pugh's incredible. I just want her as the lead role. Could she play Oppenheimer? I would be fucking into it. Oh, I'd watch that. I would watch that for I sure. I mean, not that Killian Murphy's not great. I love he's... that he's always been like a side player for Christopher Nolan and now he's like the lead finally. But like, they better give him an Oscar. If he's eating an almond a day, I think that earns him the Oscar for best actor. <laughs> well, and also like he he's wonderful in this. Oh, like, he's wonderful. Yeah, he like I hope he gets not like he needs to get nominated because like he'll win. Who I mean, I, I mean, there's I, a lot of I'm sure there's I, other people, but it's been a weird like kind of weak Oscar year so far so he's it, got a chance we're we're in december and i and i feel like a lot of the oscar movies don't come out Jeez, until... it is not december yet i mean we're, i guess you're right but yes it's, we're it's, three... it's the 27th relax okay don't say it's december yet oscar I... movies don't come out until november december january hey, remember what swept last year was everything everywhere that was came the out anomaly the that was yeah, the well, anomaly the anomalies, this anomalies, excuse me, I'm going to fuck this up, but the anomalies came out in July this year. So, I think they're going to be the top two. 
Should right, we so end what, our conversation so, on that? Do, do you have any Oscar picks right now for best actor? I would say probably Oppenheimer. Okay, cool. And so, all right, so we're back to where I mean, we started. But okay, cool. Okay, so we're back to where say, we started. No, but I'm saying that like for like best actor, I don't have anybody else. That's what I'm that saying. I can think of, but I would probably say him and Leo. Unless you consider what is Leo in? Oh, Killers Killer of the Flower, the Flower Moon. Moon. Is he which... the lead? I guess I haven't seen that. I yeah, don't, yeah, I don't he, have four yeah, hours at he... the cinema. <laughs> I mean, I mean I ho- crazy. let's keep the conversation focused to Killian because I hope he's nominated. He's really good. And I think with as little like backstory or characters written for the development, he does a really good job of portraying yeah. the what the the person who created the thing versus what is done with the thing that he's created. I think he does a really great job. Like that scene after they drop the bomb and he's in that gymnasium and Mm -hmm. the background is shaking and the lights are flashing and script like hearing the screams rather than the cheers. I thought that scene was brilliant. And how oh, it was, it was done. really well done. And I like that it's like, I'm, but I'm just like, come on, dude, you really didn't expect this. Like, you're dropping a fucking atomic bomb on people. Like, this is going to fucking destroy. This would be horrifying if you were there. Yeah. Like, just the thing. What's interesting is that Christopher Nolan's daughter is the actress who's like in that scene and her face is peeling away. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Nolan said he used his daughter because. He felt that like Oppenheimer was seeing like the thing that he created, destroying the things that he loved, which was like Mm. destroying people. And like the fact that like he was like, that was as close as I could come to it, where my creation would be this movie. But like I can put my daughter to make it the most personal reference for me. Interesting. Very cool. I really like Christopher Nolan. I think he's incredibly talented, but. Yeah. I do I do think that that scene comes over very well. Killian Murphy sells the performance really well because he's he's also kind of like similar in ways where you've seen like geniuses portrayed where they're like so caught up in all this other stuff that they forget to think about the most basic shit. Yeah. And well, I like it, the guy who plays Einstein, like that guy and their yeah. conversation at the end was incredible. Like I I definitely think I think right now he'd probably be the I haven't done my research yet because it's like not December yet, yeah. <laughs> but I would say he's probably the front runner for best actor right now. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to be, I mean, unless you count Ryan Gosling as best actor, I would think he'd be best supporting, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to. And that. if that's the case, then I think he's going up against somebody that we've been getting around to talking about, which I think is right now is Robert Downey Jr. In Oppenheimer. All right, so let's talk about Downey Jr. Because yeah, like Killian, I think he's he's I think he's great. I think he does the absolute most with what he's got. I think like I wouldn't be mad if he won Best Actor. Yeah, I think he's incredible, and it, it could almost be a career like award, like it was for Leo, where it was like maybe the Revenant isn't the best you've ever been, but it's like you've done so much. We're or like you, or like Brendan Fraser. Like yeah, Brendan, exactly. Brendan Fraser, that. amazing performance in a in a okay good in a good in a good movie i would say like we're people are probably listening it's like oh my god you guys love barbie and hate fucking oppenheimer excuse me i love cinema and i just thought oppenheimer was good okay that's okay we don't hate we don't hate oppenheimer we think it's good and we think (laughs) barbie is a much long much longer longevity barbie has 
Thank you, Jace. I really appreciate that. that That's the point of our the point of our move of our podcast is, is that barbie is the best movie ever made i agree is that we talk <laughs> about movies that we rewatch. yes and i would rewatch barbie i've rewatched it like six times already i have not rewatched oppenheimer and i don't know if i have it in me to do it again i will however rewatch interstellar which is just about as long and i just watched that for the yep. first time interstellar, it's great. interstellar is definitely but like i don't better. think i i mean i guess i will maybe eventually because it is a great movie and maybe after like doing some research but fuck man there's got there there's got to be a reason to to rewatch Oppenheimer maybe before the Oscars if they get a billion nominations like i don't think christopher nolan's ever won on like best director so like this could be it i'm yeah. fine with that greta gerwig's got plenty of time all right so you mentioned robert downey junior and he he's great in this i mean it's a real return to form for him from like being tony stark Thank God he did this is honestly all I think because like wasn't he just in that Doctor Doolittle shit and you're like oh that, god yeah this, that this didn't work out anywhere. so well <laughs> yeah. everything he's been in was shit after like Marvel and you're like come on man even their shit now like you should be able to do something and this yeah. really was incredible I was so glad to see him like really fucking deliver. And to see him as like the villain, like when we get the reveal villain, that, right? that he's the villain, like that that's, the biggest, that's the biggest reveal of the movie is that's, that he's the villain. The twist. Yeah. That and, was like came out of nowhere. I was like, oh shit. I didn't think this was like a regular Christopher Nolan movie with a twist ending. Like yeah. I was not expecting that at all. And when that happened, I was very surprised. But then I liked that that was a thing. And I have to also shout out in the scenes with Robert Downey Jr., Alden Ehrenreich, who yeah. we called out when we talked about how incredible he was in Cocaine Bear. Yeah. She's great in this movie. I'm so, I really liked him. Is he the funny guy in Cocaine Bear? Yeah. Oh my and he's god. He's like the id or whatever to Robert Downey Jr. in this movie, but he's like the guy, he's the guy who has Timothy, his yeah. Tim <laughs> Tim tattooed he's the one on his who's chest. like ordering like the plain pasta like, with nothing <laughs> on it. <laughs> he's so, great. Yeah, he's, he's so funny. Oh, I didn't he's realize so that was him. Movie. I is. love that he can do Cocaine Bear and Oppenheimer in the same <laughs> year, and he's fucking great in both. You know, like that guy. Yeah. He needs he he's got to be in everything now. He's incredible, but he's actually the only person in the movie who's like based on like he's like a uh, imagined character, like he's uh, okay. not a real person. And I was okay. like, damn. Well, now he's even better. <laughs> I would have. I mean, if we're gonna go on the lines of just like how big this this cast is, I would have thought that Rami Malek is a amalgamation character of like scientific community. Yeah. Because like he's no, like, he's I, a real person. Apparently, he comes up out of nowhere after having nothing in there in the movie before that. I think he's in like two other scenes. He's in like one scene before that, and like <laughs> literally just Oppenheimer knocks the clipboard out of his hand, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's testifying against Robert Downey Jr. I don't know why he's even here. What does he have to do? I don't understand anything about this movie, so that's probably <laughs> why I was confused. But I was also like. My only one of my few criticisms of the movie might be Rami Malek. Really, do we need him in more movies? I don't think we do. I think I mean, he, he was in the movie such a short amount of time. I'm pretty sure that, like, Josh is it Josh Peck? Beck? Oh, from Drake and Josh, yeah. Is 
it, like he was in the movie more than Robbie Malik. Thank God, everybody was. <laughs> I hope so. I was actually of the like little tiny supporting characters. I was super excited to see Jack Quaid because I just love him, and I was so happy to see him. And yeah. he's like banging on the fucking bongas. I just really appreciated that. Like he just showed up and then he stayed around for a long time. I was just. I didn't expect him to be in this movie. I kept being surprised by more people in this movie. And I totally didn't even remember that Matt Damon was in this movie. So until m- his character showed up. Matt Damon, I actually loved. Oh, this. he was incredible. I will say he was incredible. I hated him in Interstellar, but maybe that's because he nailed his character. I just watched that for the first time. And I had, I thought this was his, I thought Oppenheimer was his first time working with Christopher Nolan. Cause like, in the trivia, it said that he went on a break of yeah. from acting because of his wife. He promised mm-hmm. her, but he said if Christopher Nolan called, that he had to take it, and that was the one stipulation. But I'm like, it, that made it seem like he'd never worked with him. But I was like, no, he's fucking in Interstellar, basically a sequel to like The Martian, where he's like <laughs> on some other planet and he's a total evil fucker and then dies. Spoiler alert. Matt. Matt Di- Matt Damon Matt and Damon Matt Damon <laughs> in Interstellar might be the last great like yeah I don't know surprise in movies because everything is spoiled at this point but like mm. he wasn't even in the credits and then like he hops out of the tank in Interstellar you're like is that fucking Matt Damon yeah you- what <laughs> I had no idea and I looked up stuff about this movie while I was watching it because I was like. But I, I actually kept up with that movie 10 times better than I kept up. But that's what brought me back on the Nolan train, honestly. After <laughs> Oppenheimer, I was a little bit closer since Tenet because I was just felt like, fuck that guy. <laughs> and then now I'm like, Interstellar's a lot better. We'll get there eventually. I, I kind of feel like maybe he's going downhill, though. I don't know. He's Who? getting le- Christopher Nolan. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure technical still skill wise, he's perfect. But like, could he add a little bit more info to the fucking script? He wrote this with his brother, who's like one of the guys who does Westworld. And yeah. I'm like, that's the fucking problem. You're bringing <laughs> that guy in. He has no idea where anything's going. He's like, J.J. Abrams, here's a smoke monster. I won't tell you about anything until the sixth season. It's going to be terrible. Like I'm lost. I feel like J.J. Abrams did that shit. That's what his brother did with Westworld. And now it's like coming into this movie. Well, see, I just like they're getting harder and harder to understand. See, now he's in his the second half of his career where he has all the prestige and no one is willing to stand <laughs> up to him. So, yeah. Double so entendre. Now, so now we're getting into like the Martin Scorsese Irishman, where it's just like, do whatever you want, Martin. Like, yeah, we, we don't, don't care. care. And then, like, no, they yeah. do care, though, is the thing. People love this shit, but. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., do you think he'll beat Ryan Gosling if they were to both be nominated for Best Supporting Actor? That's really the what I want to know about this movie. Do I think and do I... What do you want to happen and what I, do you think would happen? I personally think that Ryan Gosling is more deserving, but I think the Oscars would probably lean towards Robert Downey Jr. It'd be because... a weird thing for them to give an award for playing Ken. Like it just it, it it would be like it would be like the equivalent of if the year that Heath Ledger won the Dark Knight, if they gave it to Robert Downey Jr. for 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 Tropic Thunder. Like, yeah, like it, maybe not quite the equivalent, but it would be weird. But, it would be weird because you're like, I get it. It's so good. But it's also like he's way more serious. I get it. But it's also like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into Ken. That's not an but, easy place to get to. 
I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. could pull it off. That's all I got to say. But Robert Downey Jr. for me is complicated because my biggest problem with Oppenheimer is the last hour of the movie. I agreed. I really like the first hour. It's like the the very quick story of how Oppenheimer became notable. And then you have the middle hour, which is building and testing the bomb. And then you have the last hour, which is the trial. And I feel like that's stuff. And I don't understand all that crap. And that's where I'm like, this, this didn't need to be three hours. If this was a two and two and a half hour long movie, it would have been really good. Oh no, the guy who made the big bomb got a security clearance tag taken (laughs) away. Oh, I'm crying fucking crocodile tears. I don't care. That just didn't feel like anything I needed to be worried about at that point. I was like, (laughs) let's talk about what his effects are after the bomb. I will say the one thing I really loved about the final act is like the final conversation with Einstein. Mm -hmm. I'm like talking about how you guys all thought I was like totally over the hill and like past. I couldn't deal with like what things had evolved to. And now it's like the same thing happening to him. And I was just like, that's interesting. I like that. But again, I don't care much for the trial thing because it's so lightly touched on. And I didn't understand that all the black and white stuff was from that time period or like closer to like that time period than like, I thought that was all the testing of the bomb stuff too. So I was so just so confused. I I agree with you a hundred percent. I really, I really liked the final scene with that, I, with, with Einstein. It. I was like, I feel like the movie between the, post bomb speech with the screaming yeah. and the shaking background and the lights between that and the final scene that's what needed to be condensed well yeah they could have condensed like the robert downey jr stuff like but the it's whole like, trial it, it, thing maybe if it could have been peppered throughout the whole movie and yeah. they were still like because they did do it a lot in the beginning then they really went away from it. And then, then there's like really two hours of end. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Then it's like just straight up that at the end. It's like it could have been a little bit more of like the same thing. And it kind of almost could have like they were both having their moment at the end of like, did I make my own demise kind of a deal? Yeah. They both would have been dealing with that. But it was felt like it just kind of felt a little deflated after the whole thing with Oppenheimer. And then you're like, Okay, I didn't read a history book before this, so I don't remember all the stuff about commies and what like this whole thing was going on. And Jesus, like I just I kind of was like, this is still happening. But then they nailed the ending and the ending was great, but it could have been. And I even love the scene before that when Alden Ehrenreich's character was like, you know, maybe they weren't even talking about you. Because yeah. he was like so fixated on the fact that like Oppenheimer had said something bad about him to Einstein and that Einstein wouldn't be ignoring him just because he was like ignoring him. Like, yeah. I just thought that was a great moment. But it's like those two scenes, there's a lot in between there that yeah. you could have fucking like condensed. And it just felt like it just felt a little bloated. And as much as like people might love the Irishman, I feel like that movie is nothing but bloat. And I <laughs> yeah. just feel like these, these directors are incredible, but like maybe rein it in a tiny bit. Yeah. It's <laughs> like if, if your whole point of like the last hour of the movie, and I literally like tracked hour to hour, what similar to like what we did with Babylon is like hour to hour. Here's the things that happen. The entire point of the last hour is 
the bomb went off. Here's the aftermath. And then here's how he lost his clearance. If the entire point of that is just to reveal that Robert Downey Jr.'s character is a arrogant, insecure person who's doing all this just on a vengeance vendetta thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I that again I think a little like, earlier, but <laughs> sprinkle that through the movie. Yeah. Rather than just the very first hour and then the last hour. They just dropped it for the middle part. Yeah. And it felt like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this whole plot. Okay. We actually are, we're spending a bit of time here. Okay. Well, I thought this movie was going to be wrapping up. <laughs> and now I just feel like I'm waiting for it to end, which is unfortunate because I do feel like you said the middle part is the best. Like the like the first half, second, like middle half, it's just like that last third that just like loses any steam it was building, which it's slow at building steam. But like, hey, I don't care. I like slow movies, too. You know, The Invitation we talked about last week. That is a slow burn of a movie. But I love the simmer that it does. Like, I love that simmer. And And I'm okay with that. But it just felt like this had a lot of steam and then it just deflated in front of us. And as with most Nolan movies, the score is incredible. And the score of this movie really crescendoed at the bomb dropping sequence. Like that violin as they're like preparing to drop the bomb. Like that's like it feels like a 20 minute long violin thing. Like you're tense the entire time. Yeah, it's great. the courtroom stuff is just like there's not really any music and it's just like I'm this like, is oh, happening yeah, <laughs> like exactly and i'm like wait rami malik is back like what <laughs> yeah. the fuck was this guy malik whatever the fuck he says his name i don't care Freddie mercury's here Freddie mercury <laughs> is he gonna sing right now that'd be so cool i would actually really love if he did a like a song there and actually sang girls you make his the real voice world go round if he sang fat bottom girl though, i would have rated Oppenheimer <laughs> 10 out of 10 this movie lost a lot of points when I realized that wasn't about to happen. No, but really, though, I do feel like that was one of the things that just made me feel like, uh, like just in the pantheon of Christopher Nolan movies, who I agree is a great, amazing filmmaker. I just think I'm not into every single thing he does, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, I th- and I get it. A lot of people just think he's incredible and his craft is amazing. I understand. I agree. His craft is incredible. But hey, David Fincher is over here and he has made some fucking bangers for movies and his craft is just as good, if not better than Christopher Nolan. So I guess I just like kind of feel like I already have David Fincher. What do I need Christopher Nolan for? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't need to be confused about time travel, so I don't really need Christopher Nolan. (laughs) Yeah, Nolan's in an interesting spot because he he's had one of the greatest runs Oh, totally. Of, of a director that's ever had in terms of box office. Tenet is definitely the bottom, but Thank COVID, God. so it's a thing. Yeah, but also it sucked. Okay. Yeah, let's just agree. It, it was, it was, people it was please not be yet. more vocal about yeah. it because I'm disappointed when people say they love it. And I'm like, <laughs> what did you love? I'm so curious because nothing happened. It's like, Rob you know, it looks good, but that's about all. <laughs> you know, you know, Christopher Nolan's not going to see your tweet. Like, get over it. Like, exactly. Denzel Washington's kid was real good in it. He's the best part, but like, let's move on. Um, His character is literally named the protagonist. I will never move on, Jace. That bothers me to no end. I will never get over it. This felt like a, like, I literally have not been this passionate about hating a movie since The Mummy with Tom Cruise. And that is like a really hard fucking, like, thing to pass. 
two mentions in one episode. This is this is <laughs> intense. Fucking, and that's what I'm saying. When I get angry, I automatically take it out on Tom Cruise because of that movie. And now I'm also going to take it out on Christopher Nolan because he fucked us over. If you don't believe the tenant is just a middle middle finger to the audience, I don't know what to do because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's like him just going fuck, I know you guys are all going to see this movie, so fuck you. I'm not going to make any of it make sense. Good luck. Even no one's like, I don't know what this is about. Robert Pattinson starred in the fucking movie, and he says, I have no idea what it was about. <laughs> I don't understand a thing. However, in the trivia for Oppenheimer, it says that one of the deciding factors for Christopher Nolan to make Oppenheimer was the fact that Robert Pattinson, on the set of Tenet, gave him a book of quotes by Oppenheimer. And that was one of the reasons that when the project came to his desk, he had already read that and he enjoyed Oppenheimer stuff. He was interested in it. So Robert Pattinson is the reason we have to think, I guess, for Oppenheimer. And if that's the case, then 10 out of 10. (laughs) Thank you, Edward Cullen. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Twilight is really the thing for Oppenheimer. That's what we're thinking. That's what we're thinking. Fuck Oppenheimer. It is all about Twilight. (laughs) All right. So I think the appropriate way to end this this Oppen or sorry, Barbenheimer yeah, episode. Bar- we can't cut Barbie out. She's the best yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. So I think we both agree that in terms of Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer benefited the most. Barbie had one of the best marketing campaigns of all time. So Oppenheimer just really piggybacked off that. I mean, I, I think after that first Barbie trailer, we were all in and like, it was just like a matter of time for us to all give, like, say, shut up and take my money. I will pay whatever you want. Just let me see this movie a hundred times. And, then, and I feel like Oppenheimer was like, hey, I'm opening same day. What a fun double feature. And that worked out pretty damn well. Like, I doubt that Oppenheimer is making that much money without the Barbenheimer shit. I 100% agree with you. And as the resident uh, bachelor ex- expert, uh um, oh. Barbie did a wonderful job uh, as sponsoring an episode of The Bachelor where they did a whole thing on the I was Bachelor, wondering where you're going with that. Bachelor <laughs> Dreamhouse. Be- the marketing for Barbie was amazing. Oppenheimer, they really did the bare minimum bare minimum of marketing. And Thank really you benefited. that bros were going to be jerking off at the IMAX <laughs> theater. That's all. I mean, have you seen the fucking things of like, Christopher Nolan's like, it weighed like 600 pounds. Like the fucking images of like how big this film was. It's like, fuck you. I don't care how big your film is. That must mean you have a tiny little dick if your film's got to be that big. That's all I got to say. I think the (laughs) amount of money that Oppenheimer earned from the IMAX stuff is equivalent to the amount of money that people would have spent on Margot Robbie's feet in the Barbie trailer. You know, she does all of her own feet stunts. That's one of the cool things about, like, even in Suicide, the Suicide Squad, the good one, when she's, like, picking the lock with her fucking toes, that's her. She's all about it. She does the Barbie shit. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, talk about a multi-talented actor. We barely talk about her feet, but they are, like, iconic at this point. A Margot Robbie Feet Finders account would break all records. That's all I have to say. What the fuck is Feet Finders? (laughs) Jeez. You don't know what Feet Finders is? No, I'm a fucking normal person. What it's a Seattle-based it? startup that's essentially a OnlyFans for feet fetish enthusiasts. 
Oh, what did you start this business on the side? <laughs> Is that how you know? I wish I was that creative. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> Fucking okay, Tarantino probably started it. Let's oh, be really did it in like Seattle, sure. so people wouldn't like trace it back to him. But like, it's a hundred percent him. <laughs> Selma High, Selma Hayek has some ghost feet working the working the startup account. <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's. <laughs> Let's round this this episode off. With, We're not already uh, rounded off. <laughs> I'm no, just kidding. We are now rounding. Um, what movie do you think? Because both of these movies are going to be up at the Oscars. What movie do you think is going to end up having the most Oscars? If I'm thinking in my most like a ideal like perfect world, I would imagine that Barbie sweeps. But I believe Oppenheimer might sweep honestly at the oscars when you it say just seems... when you say sweep like what do you mean i mean like they take everything that they're nominated for i would assume robert downey jr would beat ryan gosling at the oscars i think i feel i mean if killian murphy isn't nominated and wins i would be shocked i feel like christopher nolan should win like he hasn't won before i'm surprised that he hasn't won before i think he's won but like not for best director so I kind of feel think, like I don't think he's ever won it. for anything. Maybe not then. Fuck. I thought he might have won for screenplay or something or like producer credit, but maybe not. I don't know. But I, I feel like he, it might be his time. This might be his career Oscar and they might give him everything. I definitely think for the technical awards, like how Dune swept and took everything in those categories. I do feel like Oppenheimer is like the shining star of that category. So but I mean, I, I also agree. Practical effects with Barbie were incredible. And I think the sets and costumes were great. I'd be curious. Maybe that could be where Barbie takes over. But uh, I don't know. I, I think the practical effects in Barbie are good. I don't think they're enough to sweep the Oscars. So I think I think Oppenti Oppenheimer is going to win. Oppenheimer. I like that. That's like the Christopher Nolan director's cut because everything has to do with time. Time is <laughs> time is confetti. It happens all at once. I think Oppenheimer <laughs> is going to win the, the most awards. It could probably be Best Picture, and too. Just, no, definitely. No way. You don't think? No. I bet you it could. I think it's going to miss. I, I think it's going to win the most awards in terms of just volume. I think it's going to sweep all the technical awards. Like, you think Ed Barbie could win Best Picture? I don't know if it'll win Best Picture, but I think it'll win more of like the big, the big awards, like the actor, director, screenwriter. I don't think. I don't know. I feel like I would love for Greta Gerwig to win Best Director, but I honestly feel like they would give Christopher Nolan director, and I feel like maybe she could win. Her and Noah Baumbach could win for like best screenplay. I, I imagine it would be original, but I don't know. Maybe it's adapted because Mattel, but yeah. I'm not sure what they would be in. But like, I know Oppenheimer is an adaption because that's a book. Yeah. So American Prometheus or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, Oppenheimer is going to win all the technical awards in the same way that like Mad Max Fury Fury Road won, like all the technical awards. Because, like, the sound editing, all that, and the visuals and all that are incredible for Oppenheimer. But that's, like, everything that, like, they've cut out of the Oscar ceremony. So that's what they're going to win. Only with that, that's going to be... I kind of feel like this might be the movie that finally gives him the Oscar. That's all I'm thinking, is I feel like 
the movement is, behind Oppenheimer is that it's an incredible, perfect film and that he's going to win best everything. Is, is this going to be like uh, The Revenant versus That's what versus uh, what was the Wolf of Wall Street? Which, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street was the movie that should have won all the awards. Uh, a lot of people think it was. I also agree. Maybe Django Unchained for Leo could have been an Oscar worthy or I mean, honestly, oh, yeah. once upon oh, a time yeah. in Hollywood. But I would say Wolf like, I mean. Street. Or Django would have been a supporting actor, though. Yeah, but still, he lost to Christoph Waltz, who was in the same movie. But he's incredible in that movie. Unbelievable. And I just think, like, that was more of a career award. Like, Leo could have won it for any number of roles. I feel like Christopher Nolan could have won it for any number of films at this point. And they're going to give him a career award. Greta Gerwig has plenty of time. I do hope she fucking gets something, though. And I hope... Margot Robbie is nominated because like it might seem like what she's doing is so easy, but that's just because what she she makes it look easy. Like, as you could see in Babylon, she's like one of the best actors of our time. So, yeah, yeah, I think Oscar or I think the Oppenheimer deserves a lot of the technical awards. But yeah, like the acting awards, I think definitely deserve. To go to Barbie. I know. We'll see, There's I don't a lot think of movies. that the Oscars will give an. I don't think they'll award Ryan Gosling Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor for playing Ken. Like I just, I don't think they have it in them. Maybe they'll nominate him. I think that they will definitely nominate him. Probably, I, but like, I, I can't imagine him winning. I would love it, but like, I like, I would lose my shit. But I don't think they're that cool. I think the Oscars will go with Robert Downey Jr. Hey, if everything, everywhere, all at once won. But I'm just saying this could be last year could have been the moment where the Oscars turned from only serious movies to serious with some funny stuff. With the side of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Neither of these movies have a side of dicks. None of these movies have dicks. (laughs) Not enough dicks. I would say Barbie had less dicks. And that's what I think we should end this whole thing with my favorite quote from Barbie. Maybe one of my favorite quotes, which is when like those like construction workers are like hitting on Barbie. And then she's like, I we don't have genitals like I don't have a vagina and he doesn't have a penis. (laughs) And then like she walks away and they're like, what the fuck? And then right. (laughs) Fucking Ken is like, I have all the genitals, which is just like a weird thing to say. because It's like, that's like, I got it all. Don't worry, guys. Like I got both parts. We're good. (laughs) It's just one of my favorites. I hope you enjoyed revisiting this day in history, Barbenheimer, as much as we did. Yeah, I think we might have had a little too much fun. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It's like, regardless of what you think of either of these movies, it was a day in history. And who knows if we'll have it again. I mean, yeah. since, since recording, uh, we got news that um, Nosferatu that's coming out next year and Jordan Peele's whatever his movie is going to be titled that's going to be coming out on the same day so maybe we'll get a little uh little dual marketing there also who knows I'm okay with that I mean Robert Eggers and Jordan Peele that's the that's the kind of double feature at the movies I've been waiting for so for now until we know the title of Jordan Peele's next movie I'm calling that Nope for Atu because that's I'm okay like with it. I support it, it makes sense yeah and hopefully <laughs> the the actual title works well but in the meantime, that's in the meantime. That's a, that's the next big double feature to look forward to. Well, as we head into December, we're going to start off the most wonderful time of the year with a very hateful movie. 
but there's but snow involved. Filled... Yeah, there's so much snow. I was just about to say, like, the, that's perfect for winter. And we're going to be talking about The Hateful Eight. Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Quentin Tarantino's movie in one room. It's and literally it's... his version of The Thing. It's incredible. And Kurt Russell is back. Yes, Kurt Russell, amazing. Plus, the movie is on. Well, so are we? We're doing the extended version, though, right? Uh, I, yeah. So I, there's the four episode version on Netflix, which I'm gonna watch. I've needed a reason to watch it. This is my reason because I love this movie. So yeah, we're gonna be talking about the extended, if that's important. Anyone, anyone, which is on Netflix. Yes, they're both on Netflix, both versions. So watch whatever one you like. There's a little bit of extra stuff in the extended, not a ton, but it's like little details that if you already like the movie, like you'll definitely enjoy it. It's worth it. Which you should like this movie. It's wonderful. I personally think it's Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece, but I know that that's probably a hot take, but who cares? We'll talk more about it next week. And in the meantime, that should give you plenty of time to watch all four episodes of The Hateful Eight on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then we will see you next week on the regular exclusive podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We're out here.